Welcome to the podcast on fire on knockoff. Enter the Eagles and House of Fury. So, will he be wrong or wrong? Michael, that is. Uh, yes, we've come to the end uh, of the run of episodes on the films of Michael Wong. Not all of them, uh, but a select uh, number. And uh, this free movie strong finale bumper pack is going to knock you off whatever you're, you're presently on, whether furniture or pharmaceuticals or uh, whatever. We don't judge. Uh, because in 1998, our man Michael jumped on board. Uh, well, I'd like to think these people came to him. So in uh, 1998, uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme, Rob Schneider, Paul Savino, etc. came to him to shoot the Hong Kong set actioner knockoff and uh, Choi Hak was obviously there waiting as well. Well, Choi Hak came to Michael Wong, let's just face it. Um, which I, I never remembered that about knockoff, uh, that it was essentially a Hong Kong set film. It was always in my in the back of my mind, Choi Hak's second American film, which it is, but I thought it was an American set film. So I was like, oh, cool. Yeah, it's, it's, it's all Hong Kong, baby. Also, Bruce Lee's daughter, Shannon Lee, and Michael Wong go to Prague for a diamond heist, bungee, jumping, gunplay, and good cigars in 1998's Enter the Eagles. And finally, in 2005's House of Fury, Michael Wong goes full Blofeld on us with a shaved head, a wheelchair, and a desire for revenge. And at the end of the show, we'll recap the nine movies we've reviewed. Uh, we, If we gave them a positive or negative grade, Wong or wrong. And uh, then we'll tally up the points for Michael Wong. And these will then be submitted to the law books by myself, Kennedy, and Phil G of Eastern Film Fans. Yay! That's me. Hello, back again. Well, did you expect anybody else? I don't think so. Yes. <laughs> are we wrong or are we wrong? Who knows? Let's find out. Yes, it's a knockoff, baby. Come on, let's do this. Come on, Ken. I'm really excited for this one. I have to say, I don't know. Going to be here for a while, though. So uh, just steady with the excitement and like okay, uh, level gonna, out the take energy. Take it down a notch. Take it down a notch. But you know, I don't know why. I just really am. Caught me in a good day today. Will. Um... All of these movies represent your first viewing, or have you actually seen Enter the Eagles at some point? Uh, I've seen it at some point, very, 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 very long ago. Again, so it's nice to revisit it, because I can't remember it at all, to be honest, which will be great. Um, I'm sure I'll have flashbacks. Um, but, um, so I'm looking forward to that. So again, it will be uh, revisits um, and um, House of Fury. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I never, I never picked up House of Fury back in the day. I was aware of it being a Steve, Stephen Fung directed movie. Anthony Wong was in it, one of the twins. But I, it, it would, it never stood out as oh, and Michael Wong too. Um, it was um, this family martial arts, uh, fa- family with martial artists uh, type of uh, picture. But I never looked into it, so uh, that was uh, all. Um, uh, new to me as we watched it but uh, we'll get to it at the end of the episode as always uh, thank you phil for being on board with uh, a series such as this we sort of stumbled into the alan tam series because i'm immature uh, and don't like people but i'm also mature enough to understand that they deserve a fair shot so alan tam got a fair shot and we determined whether we were team tam or not team tam and then uh, then we did George Lamb with Lamb Lame, and then we obviously ended up with on Michael Wong. And uh, even though we'll we'll tally up the score, but uh, there still was a preset um, love for the man uh, before I went into the series. But that was me. I don't know if you were on the fence, so to say. Well, he might be uh, very uh, so something I'll dislike heavily at the end of this <laughs> series. Who knows? 
you, we, we certainly introduced you to, to a couple of new films and that's never a waste of time. Yeah, exactly. And then that's a good thing. Some of these are revisits, you know, across these series, some that you're revisiting, but you're watching that particular actor, you know, Alan Tan, Michael Wong, you're revisiting, and you're looking at them specifically because we're doing a series on that, so you're taking all that on board. And and some are just new films that, you know, I've not got around to watching that are great to watch, some good, some bad. That's how wonderful the series is because it introduces you to new things, but also revisiting some things with a different angle because you, you're looking at the particular actor in question. So, yeah, it's very, very, very good. It's within that uh, sort of new context, indeed, that, that you uh, that you determine whether you like uh, the movies or not. And just as a tease, uh, we'll do uh, perhaps a proper tease at the end of this long, long episode. Uh, the, the fun is not done just because... Uh, this episode is uh, designated the finale. We we will be offering up at least two bonus episodes on an additional three Michael Wong movies, but they won't be assigned a Wong or Wrong. It's simply movies that I think it'll be cool to discuss these two uh, for a variety of reasons. So wonder uh, fun films and two they um, they have a place in his uh, filmography, uh, even an important place in his filmography. But uh, we had to pick nine, and uh, these uh, were the nine. So in total, uh, you'll get uh, 12, and a bonus episode will be website exclusive only. You can only hear it on podcastonfire.com. So be sure to check out the site or any announcements on social media when we post those. You are such a tease, Ken, and I love it, and so we should be. <laughs> Let's get into it. There's some very short uh, contact information because we have a lot to do here. So for all your Podcast on Fire network needs, including the back catalogue of Podcast on Fire and the Michael Wong series, Wong or Wrong, as uh, the category is called on the website, go to podcastonfire.com for all of that. And we also have shows on uh, other Hong Kong cinema, new and old, Japanese cinema, Korean cinema. We talk about adults-only uh, movies, do audio commentaries every now and again, and uh, post bonus episodes, as I told you. And uh, the click all the relevant social media uh, uh, links on the website and the buttons at the top of our website to get to our Facebook and Twitter and uh, subscribe, rate, review on iTunes and uh, catch us uh, wherever you get your podcasts. So that's me in short. I'm going to hand over to you because uh, you always deserve a plug for your website, sir. So where can people find you and your writing? And you you, you have a bona fide team writing for you now, at least two. <laughs> I do have a little bit of a squad, yeah, yeah, which is which is great. Um, and I think um, due to the current circumstances, when people want to do stuff, and you know, open up the doors, and more than willing to, because that's how I got my shot at it. And the more you write, the better you become. The more you do these things, the better you become. So, um, and give people a shot. So, yes, I got a little team at EasternFilmFans.co.uk. You can find me on Facebook. Twitter um, got a little YouTube with a few uh, interviews on, and um, yeah. I'm enjoying um, reviewing more films because we've got the time to do it and uh, having a team around me and Jamie's contributing quite a bit up there in Bonnie, Scotland, bless him. Um, and um, just, yeah, I'm the opportunity to, to revisit some films and, um, you know, get some interviews. So um, just drop Sebastian Folk on. Uh, did an interview with him recently, which was good. So, yeah, I'm having the opportunity to do some things with the website, which is great. And um, obviously doing the lovely... And podcasts that we do is is always uh, welcome. 
and uh, we're very appreciative uh, for you taking the time because uh, despite uh, us having a squad over here uh, there are no uh, requirements to uh, show up on specific uh, in specific intervals or whatever so I'm very very flexible with because uh, 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 I'd like m- my squad for lack of a better word to um, actually stay busy and expand and um, exercise your your sort of creative muscles so well done for that uh off topic uh, but uh, who who out of the team um wanted uh, or did take on vanguard <laughs> so that was jamie not saying didn't want to do it I, which is jackie chan's stuff. latest movie at the time yeah exactly yeah and i knew it was going to be one of them i'd like i'd want to watch it through like my fingers to see if it was any good like jamie's a bit like me i'll take the positive out of it and he's jackie chan so there are some positives so yeah the review is up online go check it out and um you know what is it a return to form i'm not going to say it's a return to form but i think it's better than some people um maybe out to be let's put it that way so yes he was lucky enough to do that and he's a big jackie champ fan so we, so we love that anyway so yeah kudos to him we'll uh, we'll send a link uh, up in the old uh, show links uh, section to that review and in the meantime let's take a music break and listen to the groovy sounds of Choi Hak's uh, knockoff and uh, we'll be back after that to do a little rundown of uh, what's to come and then uh, we'll start the knockoff uh, section so uh, sit tight and uh, we'll be right back so close to real the look the feel so close and yet the pain still wet so welcome back and uh, a little rundown of what's to come here because we have three movies and a couple of sections uh, so in the knockoff section that starts off this episode we've gathered some production stories and background from the blu-ray supplements so from for instance the, the writer of the film uh, the vintage making of and the audio commentary so hopefully um, that will all add some context even for um, a movie like this uh, an action such as uh, this we'll also share some uh, brief notes on how Choi Hak's US movies performed this uh, being one of them and the drama in Jean-Claude Van Damme's life at the time uh, we'll, we'll, we'll be adding some notes but obviously not gonna go all grim on you but uh, there are some public you know public stuff available about uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme's life um, at this time and all of that so and then we review knockoff we'll take a break and the second review of this episode will follow in the form of enter the eagles and after the final break we then go into the house of fury portion where we'll share some minor notes and the background on its director Stephen Fong who is also uh, one of the actors in the film, and how his career career has taken leaps onto the international stage. And uh, we then conclude this series by reviewing House of Fury. So, the knockoff section starts right here. The Michael Wong finale, and uh, it's a 1998 movie and plot from IMDb. It's June of 1997. In 72 hours, Hong Kong will return to Chinese rules after 150 years as a British-ruled colony. Marcus Ray, played by Jean-Claude Van Damme, and Tommy Hendricks, played by... Rob Schneider, most uh, famous at that time, I believe, for his stint on Saturday Night Live. Um, I think he had been in Judge Dredd at this point as well, with with Stallone. Uh, They are sales reps for V6 Jeans, and they are enjoying uh, life in Hong Kong uh, in this time before the island's nation transition back to Chinese rule. While Tommy busily prepares for the latest fashion show, 
Jean-Claude's uh, Marcus is off uh, looking at knockoff goods, uh, imitation watches, jewelry, and baby dolls, in uh, which is uh, in which his uh, longtime friend Eddie Wang and his Hong Kong associate Skinny Wang are involved. When Marcus and Tommy's supervisor, Karen Lee, played by Lila, Lila Rochon, arrives and informs them that much of the last shipment of jeans were filled with knockoff uh, imitations, uh, they too can't believe her, but they agree to uh, help in uh, raiding a warehouse to prove their innocence. After a violent encounter that involves a local police uh, policewoman, Ling Ho, played by Carmen Lee, and Lieutenant Han, played by Michael Wong, Marcus eventually learns that Tommy is an undercover CIA agent, and so is Karen. Meeting with their boss, Agent Harry Johansson, played by Paul Sovino of Goodfellas fame, Marcus learns of a conspiracy involving the Russian mafia and uh, their attempts to smuggle tiny but highly explosive microbombs to the worldwide terrorist black market. But this wasn't the story. This had a different setup as writer Stephen E. de Sousa, which is the writer and director of Street Fighter, writer of Die Hard, Commando, 48 Hours, so he has some... Um, genre film chops he talks of um, in the blu-ray interview that he took it upon himself not knowing that there was like a project brewing a project that would get greenlit to write something fresh after being offered to write knockoff scripts of successful movies his own even um, so he incorporated that notion but his representation didn't exactly uh, expect to be uh, be presented with an inversion of what they knew he was writing you know so uh i i guess in hollywood that it's uh, hard to present something new and fresh and uh, specialized that they want uh, what worked we want die hard we want commando maybe we don't want street fighter again necessarily <laughs> you know um i haven't seen street fighter i didn't know he was the writer and director of it but um it was um i believe to an extent a problematic production and uh, i don't know many i don't know many people who talk of street fighter as this misunderstood masterwork i think a lot of people think it's a fun cult movie i suppose but it isn't this uh it, it, it isn't like street oh my god the game has come to life yeah no it's uh no not at all it's uh as i recall it and i haven't revisited it because of that reason because i don't think i don't it might be worth revisiting for the fun factor but um yeah it was just really really poor and stuff so um yeah um i think you, you better start these rights if obviously die hard and Commando and four hours, etc. But Street Fighter on the screen was yeah, yeah, wasn't wasn't good, wasn't good. Yeah, I never had really had any interest in it. Um, I mean, I watched uh, watched Jesus. I played the game and I didn't understood it. Uh, I, I didn't understand it. Like uh, combinations, uh, getting the fight moves. Uh, I I don't get this. Uh, but anyway, knockoff uh, that that script. It almost ended up at Francis Ford Coppola's uh, production company, but a higher offer elsewhere turned up and subsequently Jean-Claude Van Damme signed with the agency that uh, provided a higher offer so it all started to fit they wanted to represent Jean-Claude Van Damme and they wanted this script um, into the fold uh, to get it go into production anyway the script was set around the 1997 uh, handover and even though it didn't need an like approval from the authorities there was still concern over content in the script that it would upset someone somewhere so at uh, this point as steven says quote it started to show um erosion of the original intent uh, the script was changing so so much so originally both jean-claude and 
Rob Schneider was CIA cover operatives uh, uh, set up as uh, counterfeiters of uh, goods. And the rival jeans company was also a CIA so-called cutout operation, and somebody was killing members of it. A Chinese communist CIA sale, uh, cell that had been forgotten but was still financed uh, was, no, was also heavily involved in this uh, undercover lifestyle, meaning that they were in the, uh, in the fashion industry as uh, well. And it was deemed that it wouldn't sit well with the fact that um, the loyal, uh, like loyal Chinese communists would abandon their party and go hang out with fashion models, essentially. So I think even the makers in America saw like, I don't think so. <laughs> I mean, you know, we know we may not know the intricacies of politics in China, but I don't think we should do this. Yeah, but we know that much. Yeah. So this was then switched to the cliche Stephen wanted to avoid. Let's mm. put the Russians at the forefront instead. It's them. It's them who are the bad. Who are the bad guys doing the bad things? Uh, working with Choi Hak, as Stephen further explains, that the Hong Kong crew was eye-opening since they were so insane. And so game, and uh, thus uh, very competent to Stephen. They, they weren't out of control or anything. He quotes the crash into a minimart and the car crashing through the window and onto the water delivery truck with very present stuntmen there as uh, impressive uh, sights uh, for him. And he says that the minimart crash wasn't this backlot build, but an actual minimart that agreed to have its front door and product smashed for compensation. Welcome to Hong Kong. That's brilliant. Isn't that brilliant, though? They just were Actually, you can imagine walking down the street and finding, oh, that'd be the perfect place and stuff, and then going into there and we're going to make this movie. Do you mind if we just smash your shop up, literally drive a car? Yeah, no, but we'll pay you for it. Yeah, that sounds great. Just do that. <laughs> brilliant. And Dust did it. So, um, yeah, they did. Yeah. Uh, Stephen does cite disappointment in the erosion of the plot uh, point of the handover, um, uh, because uh, within this uh, plotting, uh, they also had uh, an element connected to the fact that uh, the the villains wanted Prince Charles assassinated. He was obviously uh, at the 1997 handover ceremony. And uh, the ceremony and the signing was going to be featured, actually. But money ran out, um, and uh, they had to resort to intercutting the action climax with the TV broadcast of the ceremony. So they, they had grand, more grand scale. You can imagine that, can't you? Because um, it, it's a brilliant idea, I mean, a brilliant idea in the fact that if you think about um, the Indiana Jones, what was it, uh, the third one that he did, and Harrison Ford um, gets the book signed by Hitler, it's almost that comedy quality, like genius that you just go, oh my god, that is so brilliant. That would have been the. I would have. I would have put it on that scale of being that good. It was such a great idea to do that. It's just a shame they didn't have the the money or whatever to kind of do it and stuff. But it was a great idea. Yeah, for sure. And 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 these um, elements from the production history actually matters. It, it really does add context, even though this is a ninety minute action. Uh, during the making of uh, that's included on the Blu-ray, it's a vintage making of, uh, but 30 minutes in length, so it's quite um, uh, it's quite lengthy. We get some brief notes on how different and fast Hong Kong uh, filmmaking is. That there's no trailers, uh, ideas come fast and loose, and stunts are what they are. Uh, like uh, like uh, Rob Schneider relates uh, that. Uh, that Choi Hak says we're gonna roll down the stairs uh, using the rickshaw, and then we're gonna hit a car. So Rob, <laughs> so Rob Schneider asks, so how are you gonna do that? Like that. <laughs> Rob asks Choi Hak, you want me to do it? Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you can 
imagine watching all this. Fight. I mean, this is an American coming out to Hong Kong and stuff. Just doesn't understand what they do when they do it. You know, the actors do it. Uh, I think Michael Wong hints the same and stuff. And it, it is the fact you could just imagine. Go really? What? What? He'd be on the phone to his lawyer, going, "Do you know what they just asked me to do?" Uh, brilliant. Yeah, you, you gotta love it. Yeah, he's involved as much as he can. I mean, the, the rickshaw race is quite dangerous, so they do use uh, stunt doubles. Uh, they're, they're not that stupid, but they, they, they wanted to involve the actors as much as they uh, they could. So, um, yeah, it's a sequence that is what it is, essentially. You, you, you can't fake that much um, uh, of it. Choi um, Hak uh, talks in the making of a little about his uh, camera work, very distinct camera work, or uh, what he asks the cinematographer Arthur Wong to do for him. Quote, I try to make the camera movement as free as possible. Maybe it's because the environment uh, and the space of Hong Kong is very narrow and small. So uh, it, uh, it that would give us this lunacy tendency uh, to try anything, you know, to, to set us free from restrictions. And uh, if you watch the movie Time and Tide that I believe Choi Hak did after this, which was his return to Hong Kong filmmaking and Cantonese language filmmaking, he really takes that further, that notion of letting the camera roam free. And it's so impressive and so trippy where he puts the camera and the ideas that he uh, manages to uh, come up with and then pull off whether within narrative scenes or action scenes. Uh, really, really love uh, Time and Tide for, for that reason alone. So he doesn't have Michael Wong, but uh, uh, well, it has Anthony Wong, so it's good. But uh, uh, And a young Nick Tseh and uh, all of that good stuff. Uh, in the making of uh, speaking of again the rickshaw race they also take the time to highlight that that race and chase uh, wasn't done on a closed street no it was done amidst uh, pedestrians and traffic and the crew had to wait until such things uh, cleared and then get on with their little shot or their massive shot so there's no crowd control here as rob schneider says so i always love that with uh, um, an american perspective on hong kong filmmaking because it is generally shocking that so we we, we don't have this street no gotta wait for the bus yeah, yeah, the Americans would have the streets closed off, you know, barriers, you know, people in the side and stuff, and great action and stuff. Lid, knock off, you've got people, just general public, just walking, uh, you know, across and stuff. They find the moment, they 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 take the shot, they they do it. It's it's great, and it's great to you know understand that kind of um, depth in the filmmaking and what's what they what they're doing and how they um, make films. And even with the co-production aspect, which I assume this is. Uh, Choi Hak didn't have American investors like uh, tapping him on on his shoulders like no 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 this is out of control be in control please it seems <laughs> like when they were in Hong Kong they they were doing what uh, they had been doing as Hong Kong filmmakers for uh, for many years at that point uh, the dock area uh, for the finale was divided into three sections and crews shooting uh, simultaneously all while dealing with heat rain dangerous electrical problems uh, it was middle of summer typhoon season so it was a tough um, uh, even more out of control shoot there um, for them doing action on the ship and so forth as the mike leader and on venema commentary states uh, and we won't get all we won't extract all details from it because you you should watch the movie with the commentary too but one crucial aspect to know here is that michael wong took over from jet Li at the 11th hour which was something I think I've heard, but have had long since forgotten, and it just felt familiar when they said it. I think that that, that sounds very familiar. That I wasn't aware, you know, it was new to me, which is great, you know. But listen to the commentaries on the ITF films. 
so 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 maybe that's why it's called uh, Han rather than Michael Wong in the mm. movie. <laughs> that, yeah. uh, that's a remnant of uh, the script, if you will. But the character was changed in the process. Uh, uh, it was quite a long shoot um, at five months. Uh, it was uh, done before, during, and after the 1997 handover, so they were there at the time. I think they catch uh, some of the real life fireworks that they set off uh, during the night. When Jean-Claude is plowing through a bunch of Glenn Chin's henchmen, and you see some of them take flight, one of the stuntmen that does take flight broke both his legs. Essentially, the stuntman that actually gets run over by, by the car full on, he broke both his legs. So, uh, Mike Miller and Jeff Wolf's fights were considerably shortened in the edit, and sadly, we don't have any extra footage of that um, uh, at this point. Uh, and the original ending took place in an underground lair in Macau where Jean-Claude was trapped by the Russians, a fire breaks out, and Jean-Claude and what would have been Jet Li escape by making a rope ladder out of the V6 jeans. And the Russians follow intending to do the same, but with the knockoff jeans being what they are, they break. So uh, so the, the escape leads the two through a hole into a queue, which they think is a bar, but they are actually in the middle of the handover ceremony and people waiting to shake hands with prince charles so that was a sort of a, a little kooky um, ending if you will yeah yeah so good so in terms of performance and a little bit on Choyak's u.s career uh, he had not exactly lit the box office on fire with his american debut double team in 1997 starring sean claude and dennis rodman and mickey rourke for heaven's sake uh, a buff mickey rourke uh, and a tiger and a coke machine at least not in America. It didn't do very well. It earned 11 million US dollars, 11 million US dollars, and worldwide 36 for a total of 48, which might be an okay tally worldwide for 1997, but not something that people set up and noticed and then threw money at Choyak because of. There was obviously, as you well know, appeal in Jean-Claude leading a movie in the 90s. He did so over and over again, and he started to get greater and greater paychecks for his uh, involvement in um, in movies. I mean, uh, Time Cop had uh, come and uh, done very well, and I believe he got paid very, very, very well for Street Fighter, even though I think that, that movie... My memory is a bit foggy, but I, I have a feeling Street Fighter underperformed um, for a Jean-Claude movie anyway. Mm. But um, yeah, it did. if I'm wrong, then, then, then do uh, correct me, listeners. But it all, that busy working schedule had taken a toll on the muscles from Brussels and uh, the stress of producing and promoting all over the world led to a $10,000 a week cocaine habit and eventually an arrest for driving under the influence in 1999. Uh, As these things go, he uh, took the rehab but felt personally more like quitting cold turkey style and working out was his technique uh, of uh, getting through his addiction rather than a structured supervised program at a facility so i don't think he was uh, defiant in terms of i don't have a problem he just felt like my i can think i can find my good habits and my structure and routine and discipline through working out because that's what i've been doing throughout my life which i think is fine uh, maybe if that rehab was way, way too unfamiliar it seemingly worked um worked out though in, in the end uh, um but but that you know success and uh getting a higher salary demanding a high salary and then self-destructing along the way it eventually meant you know it's classic that things were going to come to a full stop and um, and after a scary drug incident in a hotel room in hong kong sean claude seemed to want to and regained eventually his focus on life married life his dogs 
and even though the big roles and the big bucks were now a thing of the past he, he got out you know it's uh, that's always good you know for all his pros and cons as a person during that time which i'm sure he's really readily admits to he uh he did get uh, out of that um, uh, poor habit and addiction and and i mean you you remember this uh, what what followed was smaller films and direct to dvd fodder that, that was sort of the next chapter but uh, we we had some gems in there i mean he he got back to working with ringo uh, of the maximum risk he did probably their best no no their second best movie as uh, in terms of ringo lambs and john claude's uh, collaborations because he did replicant which i think is really good then they did in hell which i think is better yeah in hell was yeah was one of my one of my favorites after saying wake of death i, I really enjoyed as well and then he I mean, I mean, I mean, the change there, I think, was that he didn't have the sort of restrictions on him anymore to be all Jean-Claude Van Damme. Mm. You know what I mean? Like now there was no money people sort of glaring at them like do the splits, do the thing that makes money. Now filmmakers started to challenge him and Jean- um, Ringo was one of the filmmakers that did challenge him and got, yeah. got the actor out of Jean-Claude effectively. And a career resurgence in a way, because uh, he uh, got acclaimed as a dramatic actor in uh, the uh, the movie JCVD, where he plays um, a version of himself, and mm. uh, and uh, well deserved because it's a it, it, it's a wonderful dramatic performance. He has a classic monologue to the camera, where it's really I think the real Jean Claude um, pouring his heart out there on the screen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was one. It was one of those. It's worth worth noting and stuff if people haven't seen it. JCVD um, is an absolute gem of a movie um, in, in his repertoire and deserves the uh, attention. So yeah, go go see that. But these are just some snippets of what was happening at the time. But that also, I think that this is worth mentioning um, because uh, it's apparent in the making of documentaries for JCVD. Um, and, and you understand why, because uh, Jean-Claude was diagnosed with bipolar disorder in 1998, which uh, surely made many things fall into place for the man. Uh, there was now science explaining things, and he could speak with clarity and humility about this disorder, like uh, when he was on the British reality show Behind Closed Doors, which I don't know if it's, if it's like a very shitty and cheap reality show or not, uh, no idea. <laughs> uh, you should know these things. Represent your country, damn it! But I know, yeah, in in that show, anyway, he had a moment where he talked of all of this, where he said, that, "Quote: Sometimes you're going to like me, and sometimes you're going to hate me. But what can I do? I'm not perfect. I'm I'm an extreme bipolar, and I'm taking medication for this. When I was young, I was suffering these mood swings. So in the morning, the sky was blue when I was going to school. But to me, the sky was black. I was so sad." End quote. And that, you know, that, that is really heartbreaking when you read that, that those were the feelings and he didn't know why. He probably said to himself, there's something wrong with me. It's my fault. But now it can be explained. And uh, But it took a while. So uh, Back to knockoff it, uh, its performance. It took the number four spot at the US box office on opening weekend and eventually earned a little less than double team, coming in at 10.3 million US dollars. So I think uh, 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 like this long career, of Choi Hak making American movies that was um, off the cards uh, by that point. And he started to stay in Hong Kong, go to China, of course. He made an English, at least one more English language uh, film in the form of Black Mask 2. But I think that that was, yeah. you know, connected to Hong Kong as well. So, uh, uh, so yeah, that was the background. Let's uh, do some brief opinions. Uh, so uh, let me throw over to you, Phil, for... Um, 
a brief opinion of uh, knockoff. So what did you think of it in short, if it's easy to uh, summarize it? <laughs> is it easy to summarize knockoff? My God. Um, no, it isn't easy, but I'm going to anyway. Okay, when I first watched the film, I was in the... Jean-Claude Van Damme camp where, you know, Jean-Claude Van Damme, I just want to see him kick and punch his way uh, and do all that stuff. And I didn't really enjoy knockoff. I didn't appreciate it at the time and stuff. Revisiting it now, I've got a, I've got a real appreciation for it for some reason. And I think, I think it's because of Troy Hart to a certain extent and casting not my wham, bam, Van Damme eyes on it and looking at it as, as a different, as a picture. And it, it's not the perfect you know, film. If you're going to see knockoff on that, it isn't. It isn't about that. But there is something quaint and something quirky about it that I love. It's got beats in there as well. I'm going to talk about and stuff that are quite personal to myself. I've, gone, I've, I've done Hong Kong, so um, there's that, and that helps as well. But you know, I really enjoyed this movie the second time around, and I never thought I'd actually say that after the first time I watched it that I would turn around later on and go, you know what? That's a really good movie. I really enjoyed that. Well, uh, I, I'm in agreement, uh, but I look at this movie as a visual, right? Uh, this movie's amped, and they're ready to make us look at what cool shit it can do. Yeah. Uh, we, we, which yeah. is an indulgent factor, but it never works against the movie. It delivers some very cool action towards the end, and mixing gunplay and what John claude does well, but mostly at its uh, core. Uh, Knockoff wants to be this fireworks display of visual ideas, and so, some are dated, but uh, they do come with the intense uh, notion of I'm Choi Hak and I took my crazy pills and I'm ready to deliver shots, America. <laughs> uh, I'll be inside phones and I'll be inside the internet and shoes and I will shake the camera. And uh, But I got this. I got this. I'm going to make this fun. I'll land on the yes. side of these images are silly, somewhat cheap, but they're going to be fun. That notion, the visual notion, dominated over the action direction for the longest of time. It's oddly enough not problematic, Yeah. Um, uh, and also furthermore, chemistry uh, between a somewhat sillier Jean-Claude and Rob Schneider is strained at first, but you warm to it over the course of the film. Uh, so uh, there, there, there is an understanding across the board, um, across the knockoff board, that it isn't trying to make a statement. Plus, Michael Fitzgerald Wong, while underused, gets to drive a boat and be heroic and be uh, the center stage for Choi Hark's eye, both in non-action and action situations. Uh, so... Um, yeah, it's obviously a, a likable performance, but I would have liked to see him more in it, to be honest. You're right. Um, I like the fact that he kind of brings it together to a certain extent. So, yeah, way underutilized. I like the character itself, that kind of hired edge, and it was quite good. He, he's after them and he wants them. Um, and I would have liked to see more of him. Um, some people would disagree on that, I think, if you listen to the commentary. But, hey. You know, uh, in this one going forward, I think we're going to see. Yeah, I, I, I enjoyed his performance in this, I have to say. And I, like I say, I would have liked to have seen more of that character. Um, and even a sequel would have been good. You know, we could have done something with, with that. Just him. <laughs> yeah, with just him. Just Michael White. Yeah, why not? Just Anne. Uh, it, it's funny though um, Choi Hak managed to uh, keep his Hong Kong crew for his US movies um, with Double Team uh, that, that was also produced by his um, then wife Nansen uh, Hung Yan Yan action directed that one Peter Powell was the cinematographer on Double Team with Knockoff you have behind the scenes personnel like Samo Hong working as action director uh, Yun Bun alongside him Marco Mack was the editor of Wong the cinematographer, cinematographer and obviously a more local cost so, such as Michael Wong 
Carmen Lee, and then Westerners uh, out of uh, Hong Kong action cinema, such as Mike Miller, Mark Houghton, and we see Jude Poyer for a little bit as well. Uh, so uh, it's, it's all uh, good, uh, good fun. It feels a little bit more like a Hong Kong movie. I don't know how much you sort of retain when you think of Choi Hak that he could spice up things visually like this, but he certainly also is a director that when when you think of him, you think of elegance. You also think of frantic fantasy, you, you know, Once Upon a Time in China, Chinese ghost story. You also think of him as being on at the forefront of it all, leading genres, uh, going back to Zoo even. Uh, no one had seen special effects quite like that. Um, I'll refer to The, the Blade as a film and stuff like frantic, just that just blood soaked and just the camera work and stuff. And it reminded me a little bit of knockoff with that camera. It's so frantic and frenzied and, you know, he's kind of got, um, a law to himself when he comes to it. I think, um, Michael one quoted that it's, uh, it seems to be, he seems to love chaos, Choi Hark and stuff. And that's it. It's chaotic and it's great. He can be a madman on set as well. Um, uh, he and and he said he's he's a self-admitted madman. Uh, there, there's a story on uh, the blade that, uh, and he says it himself that I, I was angry and running around and screaming at everybody. And his um, his assistant or writer, uh, Quan Hoi, said that when we were done with the blade, uh, Choi Hak like the final shot, Choi Hak just stormed off, not thanking anyone. And, and when you see Choi Hak, he just laughs at it. I I, I can't help it. I can't help it. Exactly. I'm a dick. I'm a dick. I know. Genius, but... then. Absolute genius. And, it, and it's got, like I say, it, it feels like a Hong Kong movie. This does anyway. I mean, it's got a Jean Claude Van Damme, but the cast is there in the the setting as well, and it's great. And like visually, it is. There were just some. We'll come on to them. Some real treats in the movie from Choi Hak. I mean, the fun thing is that this adds to you, you know the cinematic identity of Choi Hak, but it adds to it that he can be um, out of control like this. Yeah. Uh, uh, I mean, it seems like he was on a mission to make Arthur Wong his personal play pal in the camera department. Uh, because <laughs> some shots and visuals are just visuals are just fucking nuts, man. Yeah. And there's little to no reason for some of them to be there other than why not? Why yeah, not? Exactly. In the name of fun, <laughs> and perhaps just perhaps they will make the movie more lively. But but I do buy that argument that he says that we work in cramped environments, so let's let the camera feel like it's free to do anything and I, I like that he he is good at arguing his case actually um not a lot of directors are they, they think uh, chaos is uh, akin to I'm, I'm a big auteur now i created chaos but uh, not not a lot of people can do it where it's fun you know yeah well exactly look i'm gonna go hard back to what i always do and it's my bugbear with american movies and all this editing and stuff and the, the shots are, are made that it looks like it's, this is a different way this is a camera that's seamless and is just Troy Hawks just going for it and just battering the film with this just frantic, frenzied style and stuff. I mean, it happens in the opening as well. I mean, you 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 see his camera being on the move, uh, uh, where we're shooting the underwater stuff with the creeping, spinning underwater doll uh, doll as yeah. the movie opens, and he. His camera is always on the move. It, it moves around objects and into chips, uh, and uh, in, as the signal triggers the knockoff dolls to explode. And I think those shots could be so quaint in a bad way. Mm, they could come off that way. There's, there's, there's even a there's a comic book feel to it, especially at the beginning. It changes somewhat and stuff. There's some kind of in shots as well. We get to him and stuff. Um, I think when John Claw gets to the warehouse, there's an in shot of the watch and stuff, which is quite cool. 
for no for no reason other than like why is the one insert shot of John Claude reaching his hand into the it's, crate yeah, looking at the watch what? like it's a split screen thing but so somehow somehow it adds to the delightful sort of aura of it the movie does, yeah and you, you feel like it's going to have this comic book and I, I didn't take too much from that instead of going forward because it is quite frantic anyway and he, he does like the, the camera high and then sweeping down and stuff and all that and you see that throughout the movie and stuff but like i say he's got that kind of comic book feel to it and if you treat it as that you you're going to be in for for a treat because don't take it too seriously because you're gonna um and expect too much but if you take it for what it is you know, it's fun, but it's clever. I like what he was um, doing, Troy Hark. Um, madness prevails, um, but yeah, it's good. And one of the first actors we see confidently escaping a green fire and maybe a green yes. screen explosion is Michael Wong. Okay. Uh, and he's in a little uh, boat uh, chase, and uh, there's even POV shots from when the boat goes up on the, uh, not the shore, but like the stony shore thing. So the the camera is uh, there on the front of the boat, and uh, then uh, you know it's just tons of little shot ideas that delight me. That that noisy chaos, and it's not him reinventing any style, either his or anyone else's. Uh, but um, still, it, it uh, delights me. And also for some reason, I think that this must have been an R-rated movie. But still, it comes off as being a PG thirteen movie because Michael's dialogue is oddly sanitized when when the explosion almost uh, happens into his face you know he, he escapes it but he says shoot you know rather than shit <laughs> and later in the movie after a big chase uh, when there have been van surfing and uh, him and Sean claude or Sean claude mainly and when the whole chase is done you hear michael freaking hell <laughs> you he, you clearly as a frustrated person in, in that moment you will say fucking hell but freaking hell! And it almost adds to the kooky nature of the movie too to have um, PG thirteen um, style um, swearing from swearing. From yeah, yeah, that used to be edited for some American TV channel. Um, yeah, it, 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 it is bizarre and stuff because you want it more hard edged. Again, it doesn't take away from the film. The movie sometimes they just be like, well, you know, you should be swearing and all that, and, and take you. But 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 later there's plenty of f bombs though. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, it, it's it is kind of bizarre and strange. To talk about you know uh, Rob Schneider and or the, the interplay between him and Jean Claude. For I'll, I'll add notes, but my, my brief note going back to it again. I think it's it works a little bit into the movie, but it's strained in the beginning. And Rob Schneider is an acquired taste in the beginning, but when when they get uh, a little bit more warmed up, uh, it starts to click for me. But uh, what, what did you think as you saw as you see Rob Schneider? Uh, taking questions from his supermodels and uh, saying uh, oddly offensive things to them as well. <laughs> exactly. You're like, oh, dear. And, and like I say, you do warm to them at the beginning. Yeah, there's not quite the chemistry, but they do grow on you um, together going forward and stuff as a, as they go through their, their journey with the knockoffs and you find out different things and stuff. But yeah, it takes a little bit of a, a while to warm up to them. And I think Rob Schneider can be a, uh, a bit marmite love or hate him to a certain extent so you need to take that on board before you watch the film i think 
Yeah, I never remembered him as this standout performer in Saturday Night Live. I was aware of him then, uh, but um, I've never, like, uh, he's uh, he's part of the Adam Sandler gang, I suppose. He often gets uh, little parts, yeah. and he, he's been a lead actor in his own movies with the Deuce Bigelow movies. I think they did two of them, So, but, but he, he he's never been this sort of untapped comedic genius for me but he's fine here at, uh, even though it starts shaky but it's it's funny to sort of quote uh, the as i said the oddly offensive dialogue because he talks to his uh, models and in the whole rapid dialogue back and forth he says stuff like i'm against underwear i've always been against underwear and your models look bitchy look like you haven't <laughs> no eaten for a while <laughs> and they and, and then show how continuous you know when calls are made we follow the signal into the phones and through through the street that's not through phone lines but through obviously uh, phone signals and then he reaches Jean-Claude who's in his car singing away it doesn't make Shoyhak respectable doing shots like that but it's wild and I dig the wild of this yeah exactly yeah it's just different it's just it's just crazy but you know what? Right, he's quite cool. I, I I enjoyed it. I liked it. You think he's going to like saying that he does feel a little bit comic booky at the beginning. So you think he's going to be like, and he, he, I suppose it is in, in essence, but he, he doesn't do that. There's so many just different varied and ways of doing it. But the introduction is really cool because he like, picks up the phone and then, like you say, down in the wires and then you end up in Jean-Claude Van Damme in the car and stuff and he's got that... Um, trademark smirk that he has singing away uh, and it works well it works well apparently uh, butchering a classic sam hoy yeah, can- uh, yeah. canto pop a bit so <laughs> uh the charity race uh, between the merchants uh, is it seems like such a silly setup why are the merchants engaging in this awfully risky charity race where someone is sitting in the rickshaw and another one is pulling the rickshaw and they're going downhill yeah. uh, so what did you think of that because that is uh not just comedic, it's um, challenging on a stunt level as well. Uh, it, it's, it's brilliant. Isn't it just brilliant? It's just something different you don't see every day. Remember that other film you see, that rickshaw uh, race and stuff? No. <laughs> it's not a, like a car chase. It's a very clever idea. Sam Hong is all over it. The way it's shot, you can, you know, I've been to Hong Kong, I've seen those streets and stuff. I've seen, you know... Uh, what it could be that is dangerous that is very very dangerous to do i'm sure plenty of stuntmen um caught the wrong end of the uh, pavement doing those stunts uh, but it's brilliant it looks really good visually it's great as well um it's fun to watch and this is this is the big thing with this film it's fun and, and that that is a great great scene very cleverly put together and and it could have looked out of place anywhere else but it doesn't in this film Am I the only one who, I always quote this because, uh, and sh- play your drinking game, whenever Ken talks of knockoff, he talks of the shot of the uh, shoe disintegrating from within. That, yes. That is a shot that, I don't know if it's only Choi Hark that would come up with the fact that, well, the, the plot point is that uh, Jean-Claude is wearing the Puma. Yeah. <laughs> and they break accordingly, but Choi Hark had to ask a designer of sorts to probably make an oversized shoe and then shoot this insert that shows it just just getting destroyed from within yeah. because it's a knockoff shoe. And there's a POV shot of a foot going into the shoe as well. No need for it to be there. But I love it. It's part of that energy. And then, as you talked of, it leads into the big action scene that has some good mixture of Jean-Claude participating and stuntmen participating. That, that shot of... Uh, uh, Jean-Claude uh, running alongside a van for a little bit. That's that's really, really cool. 
And the van crashing into the store, it's got a stuntman in front of it. One rolls away, and uh, Rob Schneider's character. But obviously, by that point, Choi Hak wasn't asking Rob to to be in the middle of this. And it's well captured amidst this uh, chaos. uh, One, it's even more delightful knowing that it was a real storefront. Um, Whether they put weekend (laughs) glass in front of it, I have no idea. But... uh, (laughs) So there's some really cool sense of the Hong Kong crew being allowed to do stuff and Choi Hak exercising some spontaneous ideas. I mean, there's some really silly stuff like when Mark Houghton turns turns around and all of a sudden Choi Hak shoots it in a one-frame way. Like uh, he, he turns around and then you get three frames of Mark Houghton running forward. Not slow motion, not step printing or anything, but uh, like three still frames. And even Carmen Lee gets this cool heroic bloodshed intro close up of her eyes as this, you know, the hair is blowing across her face and and she's this femme fatale, you think. This is cool, but it's one of the negatives of the movie. You would think with an intro of that note, of that kind, that Carmen Lee would have a bigger role in this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and and yeah, you do think that at, at the beginning and it sadly doesn't turn out to be that way again. Um which is which is a shame. Uh, I think that's just the way the uh, the script went. But it's a very very cool scene and stuff. And um, obviously uh, the White Tiger himself, Mark Houghton, local lad from Coventry, um, is there for all to see and um, does a, a damn fine job as well as the uh, the other Brits um, that make up the entire Russian mafia. Yeah, this is the same way Jude Poyer is in as well. Uh, but 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 I think it turns up at the end because um, they they reused him, even though they killed him off. I think in this scene too. So, um, uh, what one thing I didn't like is a lot of this movie is dubbed um, by the performers. Yes, but there's a lot of post-synced um, dialogue here, and it really it's not until Michael comes back into the movie where we get some more sync sound, thankfully, when they sit in a police van together, Jean-Claude, Rob, him, and uh, Lila Rochon. Um, but um, that was really disappointing, to be honest. Um, it uh, makes it quite artificial. Um, but uh, even though it is dubbed, the, the banter between Jean-Claude and Rob, it starts to work. For me, the scene at the restaurant was a good example of now they've warmed up a little bit. They're warm to each other. As they uh, pass food back and forth to each other, they misuse Cantonese to each other. Uh, he, you know, he says "ting." No, it's uh, no, it's uh, "tong." I thought it was "tang." No, that's another drink. So they, you know, it's cheap probably. But uh, the back and forth is fun. And then his uh, Jean Claude's muscles uh, break Rob's Hawaiian shirt, and he does that just to annoy him. Like, uh, <laughs> and I, I, I like that comfort. Um, so. Um, uh, what was the point you think where you felt like they, they start to click uh, as yeah I, I think it has to be you know that that point they, they've started to kind of chew the scenes together and stuff and, and when you get to that point you're either gonna you're kind of gonna love them or hate them and stuff but they needed that interaction that you know together that bounce off each other and it does quite it, it does it does actually work but yeah you're probably right at the restaurant scene it, 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 that's I think the scene where they actually comes together and it works that you've got this duo and you need that you need it too because if not you, you you've set yourself up to fail if you can't get the two leads to uh, to gel 
I, I like the scene where in the said police van that crammed uh, bench where little Rob Schneider is uh, crammed between Jacques Lord and another police officer. <laughs> and there, there, there's a funny piece of dialogue there where he says, can you explain to my partner that there are three people on this bench, bench and not just his biceps? <laughs> no, he's clever with stuff, yeah, because they're kind of falling out and stuff over um, things and stuff. But uh, yeah, it's, it's like I say, these little... There's little beats to it that uh, make it quite nice and you pick up on stuff. And, and that's just before uh, one of the big action set pieces, I guess, which um, was quite cool that they set up. And, and I want to sing about one more, one more thing leaning into that um, action set piece that happens after they try and raid the factory. But uh, then uh, a car, bre- uh, a van breaks out of it and they 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 make it explode and then the, the evidence is gone. When it happens, when it all kicks off, there's a camera on Michael Wong who spots this off camera again for no reason other than try and spice this movie up with visual ideas essentially Troy Hawk is asking Arthur Wong to shake the camera really 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 widely just go out of control because things are going to get out of control right now I don't know how many filmmakers I would accept doing that because it looks lazy but Troy Hawk has has established something here that any visual idea I'm going to argue for, and I'm, I'm going to argue for pretty well, including that one. Just shake it. Shake it, Arthur. I went to school for this. Just shake it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I went to school for this. It is. He throws everything to the kitchen sink at this and stuff, and he's going to throw it. And, it, and it, like I say, even if things don't work, it, it does, because it's just one crazy, one crazy-ass movie anyway. So, yeah, I do enjoy it. Any particular notes out of that um action scene that happens as Jean-Claude is uh, van surfing. Um. No, I mean, it's a very cool setup and stuff. I, I'm, I'm still struggling on the green the green explosions and stuff throughout the film and stuff, but it's, it's a, again, it's a unique setup and stuff, and you've got this bamboo that they're kind of jumping from, and, you know, it's kicking, and, and it's clever. It's another clever set piece and stuff you don't see every day. Remember that other scene we saw with them jumping off? Yeah, okay, once upon a time in China, take it out. But, you know, Jean-Claude Van Damme doing it very much, you know, that Hong Kong style and stuff. And that's what I loved about this and stuff. And I suppose that's what disappointed me the first time I, I saw it and stuff. I expected them to be more of it. What you do get to see is great. And I appreciate it as, a, as the film itself and stuff. But the action set pieces and and very much the uh, the visualization, you know, the the way he shoots with the sniper rifle and you see his eye and then the bullet coming out, those kind of things visually adds to that. It's, it's very clever. Some of the, some of the stuff he does, as you say, you know, he kind of throws the kitchen sink at it. Um, so you're going to get every kind of, um, camera work and beat and frenetic kind of, um, visual, um, style thrown in and it works, but yeah, it's a, it's a cool, it's a cool scene. I mean, I, I think exactly that that you just described, I think, could be a major turn-off for persons who just think that he's just bothered with looking cool. But sometimes directors argue very well that, uh, yeah, I am trying to look cool, and um, that's going to reach you as well. And in this case, it did. I think this looks cool. Uh, I mean, there, there, there's some great little beats out of that action scene where Jean-Claude uh, kicks uh, one of the guys that try to get to, to get him off the van into uh, scaffolding that impales him. Impales him, yeah. That's There's really cool. Thirteen gone. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Man. No, no freaking hell anymore. There, there's, uh, there's no. no... <laughs> you can take your freaking and stick it on that bamboo pole that's jumping, sticking out of that bloke. Yeah, it's damn cool. Yeah. 
furthermore, the fruit market fights in a little bit later in the film, in like the back rooms of the fruit market. Uh, there's some good little exchanges here with Jean-Claude avoiding all the machetes and uh, climbing and jumping through walls. There's even good usage of his, usage of his stunt double, even in HD, you can't... Uh, uh, the switch isn't that obvious as uh, Jean-Claude clearly can't do everything but uh, he's got a designated stunt double that really does well here and uh, the little bits and pieces in this cramped environment are quite um, creative uh, whether you know avoiding the machetes as I said whether the shot where he swings the cart around before sending Rob Schneider onto it and out of the it's scene it's a bug and void then yeah, exactly I mean it's clever I, I, that is one of my because I love my action. That's probably my favourite scene because I'm, I'm going to take that because I love the way he just wraps that chain around and stuff and you start and you go, yeah, you give me like, you know, five minute action scene and that and stuff. I'd put it down as the greatest ever. And you could see all the uh, the style of the Hong Kong movies there and he's great. Jean Claude Van Damme busting out and he's one of the few times that he, he kind of does. But it, it's very, very cool. You can see the action direction, the, the kicks and everything. It's, it's, it's a brilliant choreographed scene and stuff. And it, and it feels like more it's this is Sammo and crew handling this rather than an editor in America or a director in America trying to uh, impose their will on this. Let me look good. Let me pose. Let me, mm, right, he's just fancy. Let's go for it and stuff Sammo Hongstein. And you can tell it's, it's, it's all over it and it's, it's very well done for the short amount of time and stuff. But it's a crazy, crazy scene. And, um, you know, Rob gets to do a bit of action as well, which is... Uh, not something he was uh, used to doing, I guess. But um, you know, it works well. But yeah, it's a, it's 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 a clever scene, and it's uh, yeah, you can you can see the Samo beats in it. And some further little notes from other uh, other action scenes that follow. Uh, as we mentioned, there's some pretty gnarly car stunts, including one stuntman going over a car and breaking his legs. And then uh, th- that is also shot so shaky, but I think it 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 gets to me. It works, and the car that lands amidst. Uh, uh, the water bottles while stuntmen are playing uh, delivery men or whatever that are, are unloading that uh, uh, that uh, truck with uh, or water bottles uh, they have to uh, run away really quickly and that car is going <laughs> yeah. towards them the the car landing is obviously it's going to land uh, not flat but uh, a little bit angled so uh, there's no way to completely control that the car isn't wired up or anything you know, it's just shaky camera over edited style for the sake of it. For some reason, I think uh, this is conscious and conceptualized to a large degree. And uh, that, that's why I think it is um, acceptable, even when clarity isn't completely there. As he, as Choi Hak and Arthur Wong shakes their camera. But the wild, unpredictable aura uh, adds to that. And, and we get to appreciate uh, the action scenes. Now, the sped up camera moves, uh, you know, into objects. I think that that's the least inspiring stuff because um, that that's uh, a trophy. I think uh, you know, that, that that's not what I think are cool, clever shots or anything. But you know, some silliness uh, from Jean Claude himself also lands. I think uh, when he, in a panic, is taking off his jeans because uh, there are nanobombs in the pockets. I think it's very good because he's so panicked. Like nanobombs in the pocket, bombs in the pocket, bombs in the pocket, <laughs> and he needs to like, like anyone would be in that panic situation. Just get him off quickly and uh, he's game to look silly which i think is uh looks good on um, any actor yeah yeah and he doesn't do it very often because he's always you know the hero the brooding hero and so he doesn't get to play 
silly like that. Um, certainly back, you know, then and stuff, you know, we're talking, you know, kickboxers or blood sport. Like, he doesn't do silly, but actually it works, it works well. It just shows that when you push actors sometimes and, and range with a, you know, and give them something different, not, and with this, especially with knockoff and stuff, I don't think his fan base particularly enjoyed it and liked it because it isn't Jean-Claude Van Der seen them. It was just Jean-Claude doing something different and stuff. And I think he had fun doing it. It looked like he, you know, it was fun to do. Um, and that comes out. And, and the silliness and everything else that people didn't take to, I think, you know, you'll appreciate more now in doing that. So, yeah. Even the ending is, uh, it doesn't have... Uh the moments like now we're finally going to see uh, Jean-Claude do the splits or whatever. No, they don't because uh, the ending as um, it's varied uh, like they're on the boat with the shipping containers. There's certainly some Hong Kong gunplay uh, here amidst the fight. So there, there's no Jean-Claude stuff. I mean, I, I guess him taking his shirt off every now and again like, yeah, fan service. But the yeah. fan service for Jean-Claude Van Damme normally I associate with uh, you know, doing splits and doing a particular martial arts kicks or whatever. I mean, okay, let, let, let's get this. The gunplay, though, is some cool-ass shit. They need to do that, take that, steal it, and put it in a film and, and do it again in a longer sequence because that was, that was pretty fucking cool, I have to say. I love that sliding around and shooting people. Damn, that's great. What a, Again, what a great idea and stuff. Um, yes, I would have liked to have seen the, the fight. Obviously, Jeff Wolf, I think it is, and stuff, which... Um, the, the 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 streaky blonde uh, uh, yeah yeah it plays uh, Scar I think it was and them two obviously and I think it, it was said in the commentary might lead to said that you know it was supposed to be a bigger scene and stuff and you could see and that would have been the you know if you'd put the big fight scene in there and stuff I'd be jumping them down and raving about this film like the the greatest thing ever you know one big fight scene because I love the fight scenes and I think it could have been it could have been a really good face off but they didn't it, it, it didn't happen. Um, but it could have been really, really cool. In saying that, it's still a, it's a, it's a decent finale, and the gunplay is, it's clever, and it looks treacherous. That set absolutely treacherous doing all that. So kudos to them all for, for doing that because yeah, that that was, uh, and I know they said that Mike Miller obviously uh, took a bit of a beating as well, which which reminds me, he plays that and um, the tickler and stuff. There's there's a couple of shots of him that look really cool when he busts out into, you know, it looks like he's going to bust out into some kind of monkey style and stuff. I reckon it would have been a really cool fight scene with him and Jean-Claude as well and stuff, and that didn't happen. So there was potential there for some really, and I don't know why that never, or, you know, whether on the cutting room floor, etc. cetera. Um, but there was some potential to have some really big bit so yeah i was probably at the time disappointed that there wasn't that big big finale but i appreciate the beats that are in it now and stuff and like i say the gunplay i thought was uh was especially cool from uh, jean-claude yeah it feels genuinely dangerous as the, the, these containers are sliding around and there, there's yeah. some uh, uh, some acid play that uh heightens the tension which is which is fun and uh, of course this is not all Choi Ak this is the action and camera team in Sam Hong uh, working uh, uh, a variety of action designs uh, here are some some wire pulls that are really cool and uh, nowhere did I spot any requisite JCVD stuff uh, which I was delighted by because he'd, he'd been doing that for years I mean just uh, yeah. get, get on with it and evel- uh, uh, you know evolve and all of that and uh, uh, so uh, Michael is mostly elsewhere. He's mostly evading stuff, but he drives a big boat heroically, and 
in the end, he's underused, but I'm happy to see him here. It's really, we, we come back to the fact that the camera work is cool, but also having Michael Wong here is cool. It's essentially Michael Wong in an American movie set it, in Hong it Kong. It feels like we're doing a Michael Wong, you know, a Wong or Wong series. I'm not speaking about Michael Wong, but he isn't in it as much as you want him to be in it. But the times that he is in it, it I still think he, he holds gravitas, and I, and I still think he'd be better than... Carmen Lee in that role. Yeah, there you go. We've just said it. I like Michael Wong in this role. Um, I would like to see the sequel. I would like to, you know, they go over to the States or something. They could have done something really cool. Um, and what the the set pieces that he gets to do and the things he do, and I love the, you know, the gunplay. Um, does he need to jump off the pier with the gun? No, but it looks fucking cool. So we're gonna, I'm going to take that. It looks good. I've warmed to Michael Wong across this series and stuff. And again, um, I think he's, he's ideal for this. Shame he doesn't get to do more. But you know, he, he is comfort. He is comfortable enough uh, in his skin and being a being a presence playing a cop. Um, and it, obviously, it's uh, he grew into his looks across uh, the eighties and nineties, and uh, a bit a bit more, you know, bigger, slightly bulkier, and uh, could. Um, show a 40 on screen which he obviously displayed in the stone wong uh, roles for the option film so it's that performer comfort is uh, is present there as well and you're right about mike miller playing the particular uh, no dialogue uh, he's uh, mostly um, ill in the film he uh, coughs <laughs> yeah, a lot he's... right but he's quite a force as this silent villain and um, it's uh, it, it's fun to see shame we didn't get to see more but um, you know, the, my my final note was: it's fun to think, oh shit, the genes are going to explode, and that <laughs> means, in the end, uh, in, in the whole scheme of things, that you're on board with this film mm-hmm. when you're thinking about, oh no, it's going to explode, the genes, the genes. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. Um, um, so I, that, that, that's the end of my note, buddy. Um, I suppose I, I, I didn't mention it. It's a fun little scene where they, they send up eroticism as Lila Rashon is uh, patching up uh, Rob Schneider's Eddie. And she got her arms around him. She's helping him with uh, the big band-aids that he needs to put on his back. Yeah. And uh, it all gets uh, <laughs> it all gets very sexy, but um, she's obviously in control of that situation. And it's going to play him um, and uh, get the advantage. But uh, I think they're both quite... Uh, quite game to send up uh, forced eroticism uh, in, in that scene <laughs> yeah. you know so 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 that silliness um, landed and, and uh, as michael uh, said in the making of um they, they, this wasn't very uh, uh, glamorous so he, even roshan says it that um she, she asked like where's our trailer well it's 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 that container it's that van or whatever and as michael said he points to a van see that van over there I'm lucky if I get that. Normally, I, I get to sit on an Apple box. And he's right. I think he's right. And he understands his position in the industry and understands that this is still a Hong Kong film for all intents and purposes. So just sit around and wait for Choi Hak to to, uh, to get his little shots and uh, for traffic to pass. And uh, that's it. So good on him for coming in at the 11th hour and uh, saving the movie. He saved the movie, Phil. Saved the movie. Saved the goddamn movie. Give him credit, folks. All right, then. Well, um, as for availability of um, Knock Off, it's been available on DVD for years and probably cheaply, uh, but we would um, recommend the fairly recently issued Blu-ray from UK's 
88 films. Uh, it uh, contains that audio commentary from Mike Leder and Anna Venema, uh, but also a fairly lengthy vintage behind-the-scenes featurette and uh, an interview with uh, the writer. Apparently, this is limited to 3,000 and is not getting a standard repress, which might be a financial decision with 88 films not knowing how this would perform sales-wise. So they were quite open with the fact that there will be no standard repress. Uh, unless these 3,000 sold like hotcakes and they realized, well, there's a demand, so let's let's press it again without the limited edition um, like poster and stuff. So, uh, But that's why I got it, because they, even on digital, it's, uh, it's still only available in standard definition. So for some reason, the HD version has not been in circulation as such, uh, even, even on digital, which is... Um, not that common to be honest so yeah no it's quite good the um packaging stuff obviously you get some nice postcards as well i was going to write um that one with uh rob schneider and van damme was going to send to me mom and dad hi mom and dad hope you're well here's a shot from a movie you'll never watch <laughs> yeah it's a shot from a movie you never watch is that john from van damme son yes he's dad it's a hong kong memory yeah, as a kid he's had the post on my wall as a kid um yeah it's quite cool well, excellent. Well, that's the first uh, movie of this uh, Michael Wong bumper pack finale done. After a music break, we are going to take a look at another 1998 movie where uh, it's international across the board, but also local across the board. And it is Enter the Eagles from 1998, where Michael Wong shares the screen with uh, Shannon Lee, so Bruce Lee's daughter, getting a big Hong Kong action showcase and alongside local uh, comedic talents such as Anita Yun and Jordan Chan. This movie is also known as And Now You're Dead. It's an international title. It's a very, very strange title. Enter the Eagles, uh, that's what we're going to refer to it as. And after a music break, we are going to review it. And welcome back in the second review of this Michael Wong or Wrong finale bumper pack bonanza is Enter the Eagles from 1998, just like a knockoff. Uh, and plot from Hong Kong Movie Database goes as follows. A team of high-class thieves led by Michael Wong and with Shannon Lee as the enforcer of the group. And Shannon Lee is, of course, the daughter of Bruce Lee. Their planned heist of a diamond is derailed after two pickpockets played by Anita Yun and Jordan Chan manage to steal the team's plans and make their own attempt at it. The two groups must come together to defend themselves against the bloodthirsty and money-hungry man called Karloff, played by Benevidiat Urquides, who will stop at nothing to get the diamond. Uh, there's no extensive background. We're going to get into the review, review real quick, but I wanted to throw some box office numbers at you first of all. And uh, with its uh, 3.5 million Hong Kong dollars uh, take at the local box office, the film did not crack the top 10 in a year that was otherwise dominated by Storm Riders at 41 million Hong Kong dollars, followed by Who Am I at 38. So um, international feel and all of that uh, didn't um, get the locals to um, to the screens. So um Will um, uh, whether that's a shame or not, that will be reflected in the brief opinions. And uh, for my brief opinion, of end of Eagles, uh, Golden Harvest goes uh, Hollywood Hong Kong style, I suppose, with uh, Corey Yun at the helm. And the results, they, they're low on character and storytelling, but 
high on actually fine action drive. I really like it. Corey continually lets the camera drive the movie forward in what that first seems flashy ways uh, to international but it's nonetheless fitting and uh, while the Hong Kong talent like Michael Wong and Jordan Chan and and Nita Jung gets to do a mixture of action and some local comedy for me it's really Shannon Lee's um, movie this she really breaks through as a cool action heroine I think Uh, she's confident on screen she responds well to Yun Tak's action direction ironically Enter the Eagles is not as strong of a fighting showcase Uh, it's more of the gunplay that I watch it and it gets very bloody and sometimes uh, fairly acrobatic in a welcome way because uh, late 90s wasn't the era for heroic bloodshed so uh, it's a little bit different and not as extensive as a John Woo movie but it's uh, cool nonetheless to get some gory gunplay and uh, plus Michael logs uh, the best and some of the most cool moments throughout um, the visual moments because uh, him and the other cast members do have to uh, deliver some pretty ropey dialogue and it comes out flat but he looks great and it seems like Corey Yun is very good at making Michael look great and cool so I approve uh, I liked it back then and I still uh, think it's fun so uh, for your short opinion uh, Phil uh, what did you think of Enter the Eagles aka and now you're dead no you're dead um, I, yeah, no, I totally agree with you um, my synopsis my overview is it's and you don't hear this very often it's a whimsical film. It's kind of amusing. It is whimsical. Throw away to a certain extent, but entertaining. Absolutely high in action. And I think Shannon really comes off really well in it. There's a couple of bits um, that I, I really enjoy. A couple of bits that are not so much. I think she's the star. She absolutely comes out of this looking really good. And it's a shame she didn't do more in, in that genre because, you know, I think she had something there and, and could have been utilised. But, yeah. It's definitely Shannon's vehicle, and yeah, and I think the film itself, yeah, whimsical at best. And some cool visual moments from from the Wong of it all. Yes. <laughs> yeah, we'll come on to those. There are some, there are some interesting moments with Mr. Wong. The, to place this movie a little bit into context, uh, Hong Kong films uh, at the end of the millennium they were um i mean the cinema was in a crisis of sorts we've talked about it on the beast cops episode that piracy was quite rampant but hong kong cinema was was also trying to um, tap into the world market rather than just being cult movies in the world market so at the end of the 90s and early 2000s they they, they wanted their, their sellable element of action to um, to go onto the world stage and before the days of co-productions uh, they, they tried to join Hollywood in a way uh, making you know more approachable movies more international movies uh, they wanted to push beyond and uh, they sort of needed after this low in the industry and so they went for the overseas attraction and uh, that was a big deal for a couple of years um, for, as, as I said at the end, from the end of the 90s in, into the millennia for a few years so you had movies like uh, Gen X Cops um, Gen Y Cops, uh, which obviously brought on board... Uh, well, Gen X Cops was in English for a fair amount because uh, these guys uh, were educated abroad, the lead actors, uh, but Gen Y Cops brought in international casting such as Paul Rudd, Prue Ant-Man and all of that. And uh, you had high-tech action movies like Skyline Cruisers, uh, Wilson Yips Skyline Cruisers, uh, Johnny Toe and Wakafai's Full-Time Killer was in English most of the time, which was not beneficial because you, you, you place English in the hands of actors who are not comfortable with it, uh, both Andy and his Japanese co-star. And, and they did the same with Wesley's Mysterious Files with Andy Lau, shot uh, for a large 
amount of it in San Francisco and uh, had an English script for quite a bit, but also quite ropey effects work. So it didn't always work. Sometimes it was fun, though, because I'm a big fan of China Strike Force. Even though it sounds like, really, Aaron Kwok, Mark Dacascos, and Coolio? But I thought Stanley Tong did a really good job making an exciting action film. So if you you remember those titles, I, I, I gather feel, at least by name. So you remember the period was... Hong Kong cinema trying to um, to to be a bit more international, and it didn't always work. Sometimes it was awkward. Sometimes it was their movie. China Strike Force is a Hong Kong action movie with English performers and uh, did okay. I mean, they're, they're, they're hokey movies, they're cheesy movies, even whimsical movies, I suppose. But uh, if you think back on it a little bit in your head, uh, was that a winning formula for Hong Kong cinema, you think, or it's a little bit of hit and miss? No, it was change, wasn't it? People don't like change, and they tried to, and they tried to change with the times and, and do something different. And it just didn't. Everybody was harking back, and, and everybody still harks back to this day the golden age of Hong Kong cinema, etc. And stuff never quite recaptured it, and it kind of lost. And like you say, they tried to grow with the times, which is what you do and stuff. It just never, like you say, it was hit and miss. Um, and it never really recaptured that kind of golden age. And, you know, they kind of tried to mesh the two together. Um, and like I say, some were good, but it was few and far between and it never really, really took off. Um, they try and find their feet. And yeah, it's down to a number of reasons, I guess. Um, you know, some of the, um, the foreign actors that were in the films and stuff weren't, weren't up to scratch. And, and when they were, you probably got a better film. But I mean, Jackie was at it before this period, making his movies a mixture of yeah. English and obviously shot overseas. And and you, because um, when you said that, like the poor acting, you think back on Rumbling in the Bronx and the likes. I mean, the, the acting isn't stellar from the, no. the Canadian casting or American casting. But at, at least there were Jackie Chan movies. So that element at least stood out some of these other movies especially when they involved um cgi it really was uh, quite yeah. woeful wesley's mysterious Files is not the andy lau movie you should seek out right now it's a uh, i need to watch it again it's been a while but yeah the cgi is that what yeah, exactly they, they tried to do something and it wasn't quite working for them it took them a time to to get up to the to the heights and and be recognised again. What what was it when in the mainstream again? What Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon? I mean, wow! That, how many? How long did it take to get recognised to to do something? There were films before that. Don't get me wrong. Don't all send in. Oh, there's this and that. There is. There's plenty. There's lots. But you know, you're talking of a period of time when we're churning out films. You know, Hong Kong cinema and stuff. You know, ten to a dozen, and they were great films. They were great. They just lost their foot in somewhat. They tried to do something different, and it didn't quite work. It took them a while to kind of establish and, and make, you know, films that worked. But there are films out there, obviously. But this is this is kind of like that again, and this is where it stands out. Is the is the action? That's where again you pick this film up because you want to see it because the action beats are really really strong. Locally, just to finish off on that discussion, I suppose when Infernal Affairs came out, there wasn't a need that much anymore to be very international to, uh, because now now you had a story-driven thriller that really worked for audiences, and now they could ride that wave for a little bit. And yeah, we'll, and I, I think that rounds it off nicely. You're right, story-driven, character-based, that said, ah, actually, we don't need to do it. We can... We can Deliver a great story and a, and a great film. And absolutely, Infernal Affairs is, you know, right up there with the best of the best. 
and, and back to into the Eagles. Uh, initially, we get a we get a cigar, we get a newspaper, we get sunglasses, and a man who smokes and reads and wears sunglasses better than no others. And Michael Wong opens this movie. <laughs> Not biased at all at this point, Ken. Although, to be fair, you did say at the start of the series you were slightly biased, but now he's just full on, full on Michael Watt. He looks cool. He looks cool, and Corey enjoys shooting him, that's for sure. Uh, he's also swinging the camera around a lot, and there's uh, tapping on laptops and uh, technical jargon and plans in motion. So it's uh, it's getting off to a fast start even though it's clearly you know it's uh, it's trying quite a bit the 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 downside to all of this is um in terms of the the voice track is that it isn't sync sound but it is michael dubbing his own voice uh, so the, the, this movie is largely in english i'm not sure it's shannon lee's voice but uh, it sure seemed like a decent fit uh, uh, but but everything is post dubbed um, this Cantonese and English mixture. So um, and ironically, as we'll get to in the uh, in the availability section, when this movie was fully dubbed in English, they did a completely oh, complete overhaul of the voice track. So Michael is not present on the um, fully dubbed English track. So be, being this all this heisty and technical, and uh, it uh, it's not necessarily the Hong Kong cinema you come for you know this uh their heist uh streak of movies uh if you will but uh it it certainly gets to off to fast start and trying to establish these uh anti-heroes i suppose in a visually interesting way i mean and, and it seems like Corey is hellbent on making michael wong look good and cool <laughs> you know considering what happens when the car he's in is set on fire and how he solves that issue and it, because it's in a b-movie action context i think um they, they have the right idea that they, they, they sort of balance the whimsical and hokey with look at that shot look at him exiting the car with his glasses and it's on fire you're you i'm on board movie i'm on board but any particular impressions of um of that, uh, you know, it's it's way before any action, but how the movie sort of presents itself. Um. Yeah, I mean, it's nice and it's nice set up because kind of like a heist movie and stuff, and they've got the, you know, they they start it out with you know a little bit of fisticuffs, and they introduce obviously uh, Benny, which is great and stuff, and then they get Michael one looking cool, and you get how do we get out of this situation? And then he bursting out of the you know the jeep in slow mo, and, and look, he's looking good. He's looking cool. That's that's he's, he's done his job right there. We set him up to look like the the cool cat of the piece, and and the villain, the villain, and you know where it's going to go and end up, which is which is great. And it's a nice little ending scene, to be fair. He's even um, enjoying himself as as he's still in the car and as yeah. it's on fire. You can see a brief shot of Michael smiling, which I thought was. Uh, yeah, this is a guy who's confident because the car is on fire. Cool, yeah. cool. All right, let's do yeah. this. It opens up in a sort of high-tech man- manner and it's also uh, got you know professional helicopter shots as we get on- onto the c- countryside. So uh, the, the movie is trying to present itself as, um, as slick and commercial and competent. And many Hong Kong movies could, including the, the movie that we're going to talk about uh, after this. But it's what you do with the genre content uh, which in this case is action that is key and as we said it does that stuff really well because surrounding that film you got tropes and cliches and just barely functional story stuff because michael has lost someone so the pain of loss is done in slow motion and the swelling score 
Yeah, and he hasn't lost them, like, you know, literally, like, oh, they're, they're back of the sofa. You know, lost as in, you know, died, bless him. You know, the standard, rather than, you know, game hide and seek. Uh, and yes, you're right and stuff. The, the cliches are all there to be seen, and, and that's, And you know. stilted be action English dialogue mm. as well. But I think the movie survives it, personally, because they, they deliver elsewhere. Because uh, if they had not delivered elsewhere, then this, uh, you know, it would have stood out even more, this... Uh, awful dialogue <laughs> yeah. that we have you know what i mean so could, could you get past that or is that like oh no no I, I think if you and and this is testament to really i suppose how good you know shannon is and stuff if you took shannon out and those scenes out and stuff you'd be you'd you'd be a mess of a movie to a certain extent because she does drive it in that character and, and it really helps support the film say yeah the dialogue does does not help this feature at all but i'm not there for the talking I just want the action. And amidst farming equipment, you get action. Exactly, so, you do. So how was that? Um, we, 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 which is actually a, a fight scene involving, you know, the rope that Shannon pulls uh, between her and the bad guy and the, the twirling and the kicking and the power that's here. I mean, it's it's quite intricate. So, okay, and, so, so, let's, so let's get this. We've got 10 minutes in and stuff. They're going to show Shannon, and, and she's going to kick some ass. So who are you going to do? you got Michael Wong, who's looking cool again because he's got his cigar, and he's just he's watching things. You know what's going to happen, that Shannon Lee is going to kick. Uh, it's Mike Lambert, um, obviously, our old friend who's back again. He's going to fight. They're going to fight just – no, where they're going to tie their uh, arms up and stuff, and they're going to fight tied together in a, in a farmyard and stuff. And you can see what's going to happen because there's a big spinning machinery behind – uh, them and stuff so it needs to be get it. turned on yeah. despite no one doing any farm work <laughs> and there's she looks really good she comes across really good there's a couple of beats and stuff i don't like when they do the the whole bruce lee imitation thing and stuff I'm like no you don't need to do that but you know what she looks good the scorpion style kick that they do for a couple of seconds that, uh, that's pretty cool there's plenty to enjoy from the fight scene. There's the old, like say, uh, over at Keep the Cynthia Rothrock moving stuff. Um, there's plenty of action there, and it looks great. And you, and it sets you up quite nicely for the rest of the film because, you know, Shannon comes off really good because, you know, at first when you watch the film and if you're not seen, one, if you you know it's Shannon Lee, you've got that legacy and everything else. And to give her that scene and to pull it off straight away, all of a sudden you feel comfortable. Yes. You feel comfortable watching her going forward, and, and that's what's great about the scene. Uh, not only the action, which is great, but the scene itself. And and, and despite the European setting, again, uh, shot in Prague, uh, interiors uh, here and there in Hong Kong, I'm sure, did, did despite the westernized setting and um, the English dialogue, the fight scene feel is done in the Hong Kong style. It's yeah. not, oh, uh, yes. you know, inflicted with um, any, uh, you know, tight editing and shaky camera or anything no, like that. No, no, this is cool. Yeah, and it, 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 yeah they, they deliver and it's exactly that Hong Kong style of fight and exactly what you want to see. And it looks great. You know what I mean? It looks great. They um and and I like that they introduce her as Fast Gun Mandy with no <laughs> irony whatsoever. Yeah. Fast Gun Mandy. Yeah, because you did the what? You should watch called what? She's the well, fast gun. She's a what? I mean, she's fast kick Mandy. If anything else, it doesn't seem like her thing is guns. It seems like no, uh, exactly. Strange. Mm. But but yeah, I agree. She she's got a toughness and confidence that works um, for me. Um, uh, I, I like the latter scene where. 
by that point uh, are sort of local comedic uh, inclusions in the form of Jordan Chan and Anita Yun where, when they they enter the fray and the gang is uh, gathered I, I like the little scene where she is um, she's challenged I believe by Jordan or Anita and uh, they they don't know about fast gun Mandy's kicking skills so in a flash she does an extended kick that just stops right in front of Anita's face, you know. Uh, and that sort of bickering that goes on. Is, uh, it is fun because Shannon looks um, she looks cool. She doesn't um, play it for, for loss necessarily. She's quite stoic, but it still fits the tone of the film. And uh, I, I mean, I read her credits and she had a couple of movie credits leading up to this, but I have a feeling this was one of her first lead, if not her first lead role and uh, it looks good on her actually and um, you know aside from the bruce lee bits that doesn't need to be there just like brandon argue, argued that in legacy of rage martial arts no thank you <laughs> that's not gonna yeah, happen exactly i mean there's nothing there that's that's a kind of a, a leading role for her and she went all in you know brandon was a bit like he didn't want to be associated not associated he didn't want to do that he didn't want to be like his father and obviously it was more gun playing when we go back to legacy etc and i understand that and i and I, you know i've said it before so you know i love that film but um shannon wasn't afraid to do it no you throw me in there let's do this you know yeah whatever you want to do let's do obviously she went all in um and that's why i'm surprised that there wasn't any more from when she didn't do more with stuff maybe for whatever reason but this film, yeah, she she nails that. Um, she nails her part. She delivers it well, and what she's asked to do, you know, she does it does it superbly. And for the local faces here uh, again, Jordan Chan and Anita Yona, he was one of the more compelling and confident actors coming out of Young and Dangerous, a series that widely uneven. But he was always uh, one of the better, more engaged performers uh, with engaged performances. And she had come out of uh, uh, drama, of course, on film, Salavi Moncherie, the terminal disease drama by Derek Yee. She won an award for that. And uh, her as a comedic actor, Anita Yun, was hit and miss for me. Here it works somewhat well uh, her and jordan uh, uh, bickering is is fine and uh, they but, but they don't push for entirely goofy anita and as we get and, and as we get to the end they definitely do not push for goofy anita anymore no god no and, and, and i think this is where the whimsical bit comes in because i do find it maybe a little bit whimsical i remember you know her from taste of killing romance with andy lau you know those kind of films and genre that you know um, so third playing the goofy, it doesn't not for me anyway. It, it was okay, and that's what I mean about whimsical. Take it or leave it, and stuff. And obviously, Jordan's great. You know, he's great. He chews up scenery, and when he comes on, he looks great. He, you know, but again, the comedic side didn't really, it didn't really float my boat for the film and stuff. But it wasn't extensive, though. They 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 kept it no. more amusing rather than uh, this ah, huge. Yeah, yeah. Uh, broad side to the movie um uh, it's light-hearted uh, um, yeah. and i understand why it's here because they want to push a mixture that will play locally too uh with, with local likable stars in this case they weren't uh these two weren't enough to uh, pull in the big bucks or anything um as a heist flick basic and somewhat functional uh, but but it's nothing without its uh, action combo and that know-how but there, there are some amusing bits as they um they do their planned heist in the museum. They they plan that Jordan Chan 
it's gonna puke blood right there in the middle of the museum so someone needs to clean it up and Anita Yum by that point is part of the cleanup crew and I thought that was very funny because someone say, someone says like who will volunteer to go I will go yeah she jumped up yeah <laughs> so it's a good silly uh, moment and uh, in, in terms of creating the, the heist flick Corion is not you know the most sophisticated at creating that that heist pace and tension uh, but uh, by throwing his camera around not Choi Hak style but being active and uh, cranking the score and uh, you know it's a tightly edited film he 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 does okay he doesn't bore in between the uh, action stuff um short movie of course but uh, it, it did okay even though it's not reference material work in that particular genre but it's it's also super thin really because it's it's the heist and Things go wrong, and then it's off to face off against Karloff and his gang, and that's kind of the movie. It is, yeah, exactly. It doesn't, this, this, it doesn't slow down any pace and stuff because there's not much to it to do that. You know, it just rattles along quite nicely and stuff. It's, it's tight in what it is and stuff and what it doesn't. It, it delivers it in those beats. There's no more depth to it than what you get, which, which is fine. And sometimes that's just all you want from a movie, and you know it, it works from that point of view. I mean, even still, the delivery from Michael, because again, the dialogue isn't but particularly noteworthy. So you you deal with it in the way you deal with it, and yeah. he can be an uneven actor. But uh, but still, the delivery is across the board. Uh, anyone who speaks English here, <laughs> to be honest, it's not just him. <laughs> but uh, he, he is, you know, as a visual, he is one of the cooler looking and confident performers. Despite uh, Shannon, in terms of the gunplay, looks pretty good too um the choreography that she is asked to do and the rest are asked to do is nicely paced it isn't terribly balletic but it has a violent edge to it and an intensity to it that's pretty cool i mean Corey nor yuntak they don't have the vision of john woo but um you know through an, an active visual sense and again some scripts rigged up on the actors uh, th- th- that adds to a decent intensity without rivaling the likes of John or any filmmakers who did Heroic Bloodshed in the wake of A Better Tomorrow for a couple of years. So it it, it looks like it, it's end of 90s, looking back a little bit towards the 90s and doing well enough, but not elevating Heroic Bloodshed necessarily. Um, and, and I suppose uh, would it have worked without uh, the quite extreme gore violence at points? Maybe, maybe not. But I did enjoy that uh, it has um, that teeth, you know. Was it more compelling to see her fight or to see her as a gunplay hero, Shannon? No, uh, you know, I think the the fighting she just—I mean, she nails both. To be honest, so I couldn't you know pick out the two and stuff. She's fine. She she looks at ease in in both and could have gone on in in any genre and done something. And it's a shame she didn't because I think potential was there to do a lot more. Um, you know, make gunplay genre. Uh, martial arts and stuff she comes across great in, in both so you know works for me and she looks good and also like by the way that they, they despite the mix of cantonese and english they don't make a fuss about the fact that um shannon speaks english only and it, uh, but they do understand each other right and and i like a movie that doesn't care about that of course it's feasible that she can understand cantonese look at michael wong he can but he doesn't speak it <laughs> so that's fine it, it really feels uh, like they they have this foot in martial arts choreography and uh, even fanciful martial arts choreography stylish and using techniques from old school uh, martial arts movies that, that they dip into every now and again so that's uh, quite uh, 
quite fun to have. And uh, but it it's bread and butter. It's a mixture of action, as we talked about. And uh, again, going back to Shannon, she's probably the better English performer. I think uh, she gets by with sometimes select lines. Um, she lets physicality speak. And that, that's not a bad choice for a cool action uh, heroine. Uh, and uh, to have her contrast against Anita Yoon, who is a bit more of a ditzy heroine, it could have been a make or break uh, element for me because I really don't, you know, she, she's not a slam dunk when it comes to comedy. I mean, Anita Yoon, uh, mm. it works quite well in movies like He's a, uh, He's a Woman, She's a Man um, with Leslie. And, uh, but, but she's got a handle on a few comedic uh, uh, moments here, like when she's trying to be, uh, they, they have a briefing towards the end of the film and she's trying to be cool with the boys, you know, be present for the briefing. And uh, when they depart, you know, go onto the chopper or go into the car. And Anita points to, like, the cannons in the background. Should we bring those two? Are those coming? <laughs> and I like that she's trying to keep up with the sort of jargon, if you will. So uh, that's, uh, that's good fun. Any particular action moments for Michael that stand out? I know one. I know one. <laughs> yes, go on. He's got, come on, it's got to be his bungee jump. Yes. So what yeah. about the bun, b- bungee Michael Junfat, as I like to call him? Yeah, bungee Michael. Wow, wow, bungee Michael. Wow, wow, bungee Michael. Wow. Oh, come on. That's a great scene. I love that. Uh, just jumping out the helicopter, bungee ice. Just, yeah, classic. That looks cool. That's a great idea. And it works. It works really well. It, it works doesn't look really terribly well. fakey, to be honest. I mean, they, I'm sure they did some, but they also faked some with effects. But it doesn't look, doesn't look terribly fakey as he jumps out and shoots uh, either one or two guns uh, down towards the car uh, below and all of that. So, uh, And that's what I mean by cool visual moments that I think he mm. uh, uh, responds well to. I mean, he's not a rival for Chayanfat, of course, but... Um, it's it's a it's a cool idea that they uh, that they pull off and they place him at the forefront and that looks good on him. I really think uh, that's uh, th- this is a movie that will win him a couple, win him back some positivity for, for from those who might not like him in movies in particular. But but here's a movie where where the action side of him um, gets to shine here and there, even though it's Shannon's movie as we talked of um, talked of as well. Yeah, exactly. And he gets the he gets some cool gunplay as well towards the end in the action-packed finale which obviously you know benny and shannon um stealing stuff because it was it was great to see obviously benny back on stage uh well back in a hong kong film because he hadn't done that for 10 years since dragons forever i believe is the character yeah this was the third or fourth or and last um hong kong movie appearance i believe yeah exactly so it had been a while since he'd been in one and obviously uh, the main players are back again some from you might recognize from knockoff jude poyer's there obviously staple diet uh mike miller's back he's, he's not got a cough this time and stuff but he's there in the background you see him and stuff so all these players are in these kind of same films you know um it's that kind of the time and stuff are all there michael one gets some good gunplay as well uh, towards the end and looking cool he gets a couple of dramatic beats. Does it work or not? Well, you know, at this point, um, we all love Michael that much. It doesn't really make any difference because, you know. I mean, the scenario they build around uh, the finale, we won't spoil it all, but uh, it's, uh, yeah. you know, it's a movie with loss and some people we are going to lose, but how are they going to go out? Well, we've we got some ideas for you. And uh, exactly. we established sunglasses and cigars and guns. So we're going to use a mixture <laughs> exactly. of those, so I think. we're going to go with that. <laughs> we're going to carry on with that. But we're going to set it in a cool theme. I know you've got stage and stuff, but the blimp and stuff. What a great idea. 
you stick it in this, you know, aircraft up in the sky and then we'll find the stuff. Why not? It's something different. It worked. Yeah, yeah, it works because it's this circular area with a lot of uh, spinning wheels and cogs and uh, ropes. And uh, so the interior of the blimp stuff works fine. The exterior is late 90s CGI from Hong Kong and uh, <laughs> take it or leave it. Which so. is fine. You don't notice. You just go back to the action. That's fine. I like the shot. Yeah, great. Okay, good. We established what it is. Let's go back. Let's say him fight and shoot the place up. Because it isn't like the, the, those movies we discussed, like Wesley's Mysterious Files. It's a sci-fi movie. So it is reliant on for the CG to work. Here it's, you know, it's some establishing shots where they are externally. But most of the time we're going to focus on the, the stuff that's going to be there, that's going to be physically there. And um, th- that's going to be there on stage, you know. Uh, the, those various, uh, they're not on a green screen environment, is, um, is what I'm saying. I mean, even the earlier sequence um, um, involving... Uh, the ladder I, I thought it was really stellar I, I, I like that a lot as uh, that ladder probably it's not plausible at all but that ladder goes back and forth and it keeps uh, vertical for quite a bit before it re- finally tilts over and drops but uh, I thought that that was very exciting it was well uh, put together rather than uh, again this fake uh, green screen sequence yeah, you suspend your, uh, your your belief to a certain extent and those things because it's cool to watch and it's a great uh, setup uh, and the way they do it and way Corey set it. It's great. It's another nice beat within the film and stuff from a, an action point of view um, and it works well. Yeah. So um, while while I don't think the Shannon versus Benavidget sequence is the best fight in the film, film, no. I, I think uh, the they maintain the notion of the the camera language in the editing. It's going to be fast, but we're going to shoot it with clarity. We're going to use the environment in a creative way. I mean, this environment environment is not standard stock environment for an action finale in a Hong Kong movie. It's not set in a warehouse, you know what I mean? So <laughs> it, it it gets by on that likability, also on Shannon's likability. Uh, but, but don't expect any intricate stuff martial arts-wise, like the, that this is Benny's big send-off that's going to eclipse uh, Dragons Forever, Wheels on Meals, of course not. Um, but uh, it, it's fun to see him there and the way they set up uh, this uh, this finale and mix it with Michael's, Michael Wong's uh, heroic stand, if you will, and uh, the fact that uh, smoking is cool. So, so let's, uh, <laughs> let's keep that too. Smoking Scars is cool, kids. And uh, let, let's use it in a in a in a way that uh, Michael Wong would say instantly yes to, and uh, because uh, you know he's a cigar smoker. So, and just for reference, there's not many films out there that beat that um, Wales on Me final fight scene with uh, Jackie and Benny. Um, not many at all, even now. Um, but in saying that, you're right. But it isn't it isn't one of those that uh, reaches that. But it's a good, decent scene. The environment is great. It's different. Anita gets a little bit of uh, to run around and, and look cool as well. Um, so, yeah, added coolness. And um, Michael Wong does a job on this. So, yeah, kudos to him. Yeah, I liked it back in the day. Uh, didn't have much of a, you know, an idea of what movie it was, what kind of uh, mm. notes it had, whatever hype it had. But uh, I was pleasantly surprised, and I think it looks great. And uh, and uh, the movie's fun. It's uh, undemanding, yeah. fun, and... Uh, hidden gem perhaps not but it, it really uh, gets the job done in a variety of ways and as, as i always say hong kong movies on the road is uh, something i i like to watch at least from a certain era because even when wesley's mysterious files went on the road to san francisco that didn't necessarily work so i'm, I'm more of the throughout the 80s and 90s that choice was um, 
it was okay. You know, you know when Triad movies was set in uh, New York Chinatown and things yeah. like that. Yeah, cool, cool. I'll have a look. Uh, we, we're going to have a different environment, and um, I'm sure some stellar acting from uh, from from the talent they could afford. <laughs> <laughs> they could afford. Yeah, this is this is true. So um, I think I'll uh, conclude my notes right there. Anything else you want to say about Enter the Eagles, A.K. and now you're dead, which is a terrible A.K. I don't like that at all. <laughs> I like saying it, but it's terrible. Yeah, not only did you put up with the dialogue, there are some um, interesting subtitles. Uh, I'll just read you one from um, the prison scene uh, when he's um, talking. He says, uh, come on, cut us some slag. Really? <laughs> do, do you need to cut her up? Um, and where where is she? I've not seen. Um, yeah, there's some interesting subtitles in the film stuff which amused me. Um, and the other thing I would like to point out, which annoyed me somewhat, and I had to get past it, for about 30 minutes of the film for the heist, they showed the the same shot of the museum, literally, I think it was eight times. <laughs> I did start to count at one point because I was like, why are you showing me that shot again? I know where it is. I know where the dime is. You show me that shot. You show me it again. You show me the same scene. Still in Prague, guys. Still in Prague. Yeah, we're still in Prague. It's still the museum. I get it. You don't need to show. I do. Are you trying to extend the movie? Have stop you not got enough? It. Yeah, stop doing it. Um, one for one for the fans out there with stuff. Go and check it out and see how many times it is, and come back and tell me. I'm going for eight. So um, that shot of the museum, and that's it from me. Whimsical, fun, amusing, and Shannon absolutely the standout. Big, big like Yay, Big Wong. Uh, yeah, why not? I like him in this one. Uh, but uh, it's not the best in the series, but I like him quite a bit in this one. Um, you know what I'm going to say? I mean, for the bungee at least. Yeah, I, 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 I've been converted somewhat, <laughs> I have to say. And if I, with rose-tinted glasses, if we'd watched this earlier, I might have gone the other way. I know, dread I say it. No, but you know what? No, there's enough there for uh, Wong and stuff, and he does look cool. So, yeah. Gets out of a burning car, field. Come on. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and the the, fi- the funny thing about that shot, even if it's a composite of uh, effects and maybe some flames, it's pretty airtight. I, d- I, I don't think it's a fully lit car that he had to get out of that calmly. It looks dangerous. But uh, the, I always like that shot. It looks pretty solid from a technical level, even. Because yeah, uh, well, when you start to involve like, uh, CG environments like fire or water from Hong Kong cinema at the end of the night is just just stop right now and don't <laughs> don't uh, or, or don't linger on it that long because it's a slow-mo shot you know you, you would have revealed revealed cracks in the sort of technical surface if so but I think it looks cool solid technical stuff from the guys uh, as for availability of Enter the Eagles uh, the original Hong Kong DVD is a bit elusive but is preferable since it features the original mixed language track that is dubbed but um, you know in Cantonese and English uh, but uh, Michael is, for instance, dubbing himself. Uh, same with uh, Anita Yun and uh, Jordan Chan. And I have a feeling that is Chan. And it didn't feel like it came from another human being that uh, voiced, that they got another voice actress there. But uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, international DVD versions, such as the UK and German one, under the title And uh, Now You're Dead, only offers up the export dub, which does not retain Michael voice track for instance and probably maybe not even Shannon's they, they probably just did a whole 
redo because uh, some of the parts needed to be uh, dubbed from Cantonese to English anyway. So, uh, but that that international version is the one that's more readily available on DVD. So, uh, so that is the problem uh, for a little bit. But uh, uh, that's uh, it anyway. And uh, we're gonna take a uh, final music break for this Michael Wong or Wrong series and the final ninth movie up for review is the we didn't pick the latest one he did like 2020s whatever but uh we we went back a little bit uh, back and forth to try and pick roles that uh, seemed cool on paper that would form a picture of sorts across nine movies and we picked uh i had not seen it before so i picked it sort of uh, using gut instinct and we picked house of fury from 2005 uh, featuring michael wong in a wheelchair and a shaved head and uh, he's the big baddie in this uh, martial arts uh, family comedy drama thing from young director Stephen Fung. And uh, we'll be right back uh, after this uh, music break to uh, tell you all about it. And welcome back to the third and final review of the Michael Wong Wrong series. The films of Michael Wong, as, as examined by us, nine of them. We close it out with House of Fury from 2005 and plot from the Love HK film review of the film. Anthony Wong stars as Hubo, a blustery middle-aged widower raising two sparring young kids. Uh, the son is Nicky, played by Stephen Fung, also the director of the film. He works at Ocean Park and is constantly annoyed by his sister Natalie, played by Gillian Chung. One half of the Canto pop duo twins and the other half is in the movie as well. But it's not a twins effect type of movie. They're not leading it. But uh, Charlie and Choi is um, in the movie in a guest role, if you will. And Natalie talks on the phone all the time with her boyfriend Jason, played by Daniel Wu, and is portrayed, portrayed as someone of her age and uh, sex frequently is, as a moody and petulant little princess. She spars all the time with Nikki, but there's an added twist to their sibling rivalry. Kung Fu. Uh, Siubo, the father, is a practitioner of traditional Chinese medicine and knows how to kick ass. He taught his kids to. Uh, Nikki and Natalie can therefore bust out serious moves when they want to fight over a remote control or a kung fu uh, kick beneath the dinner table. Uh, that will also spark, uh, spark a fight. But uh, there's danger ahead. Michael Wong is Rocco, a wheelchair. Look at that name, Rocco, a wheelchair-bound cue ball who once worked as a CIA agent, and he's looking for a Chinese agent who put him in a wheelchair. And the key may be Subo, who claims uh, to have once been a G4 agent assigned to protect former spies. So before we get to the movie, some uh, some notes on. Uh, the director, young director, in his early 30s at this point, Stephen Fong. And this was his second feature in that capacity. A late 90s audience has might have experienced him initially as an actor, appearing uh, with fellow Gen X boys uh, Nick Tse, Sam Lee, Daniel Wu in Gen X Cops, as well as in the sequel Gen Y Cops. Uh, he was actually um, paired up quite a bit with uh, Nicholas as they start together in uh, the um, uh, actioner that Wong Jing co-directed they call my schoolmate the barbarian from 2001 and they were also in uh, the Wilson Yip directed ghost special effects movie that was called 2002 uh, which is a pretty cool little movie I, Wilson Yip made his foray into um, 
commercial movies with Skyline Cruises that we mentioned, and I didn't think that worked. But 2002 was a better mixture of uh, the slick commercial special effects um, movie. And it was uh, funny at times, and they're good together. They, they have good chemistry on screen. Steven uh, directed a segment for the project Heroes in Love, together with Nicolas Tse. In 2002, but made his feature debut with 2004's Enter the Phoenix, that he also co-wrote, um, which is, uh, I believe, it's a triad comedy of sorts. I uh, don't remember much from it, to be honest, and didn't rewatch really it for this uh, research. He followed Enter the Phoenix up with the movie at hand here, House of Fury, the year after, and uh, this movie made the top 10. It had the 10th spot at the local box office in terms of uh, in terms of earnings. Uh, and uh, Stephen has since directed Jump for pro- producer Stephen Chow and the first two installments of the 3D martial arts trilogy uh, Tai Chi Hero and Tai Chi Zero. But um, if uh, it, it sounded like in the research that it was going to be a trilogy, but the third entry is still unmade. But Stephen has also branched out in an impactful way internationally as he's uh, been producing, directing, and even doing action choreography on the TV series Into the Badlands, starring Daniel Wu, uh, which is an American TV series. It aired on AMC, I believe. And he's also the executive producer of the Netflix series Wu Assassins, and has also directed episodes of it. And his latest latest feature to date is the 2017 Andy Lau movie called The Adventurers, which is not a remake of Ringo Lam's Andy Lau movie of the same name. Uh, But this Adventurers starred Jean Reno and Stephen Fung's wife, uh, Xu Chi. So I want to throw it to you because you have an interest in martial arts uh, movies and series. Did any of these uh, turn up on your radar, that Wu Assassins series, those Tai Chi movies or whatever? The Wu Assassins obviously did, which was was okay. I I wanted to love it, but it was okay. The Tai Chi Zero and and Tai Chi Hero... um, both seen and both really enjoyed and you're right it was part of the trilogy i think it should have been and never did but it was really good and you can see looking at this film the influence all the way in in obviously by 2012 he'd come a long way from from here house of fury to tai chi hero and zero and i'm surprised he didn't do um a lot more after that um because i really i really enjoyed those films well, what was Wu Assassin's Steel? Is it, a, is it a modern action piece? Is it, or is it a more traditional martial arts? Or yeah, slices of kind of a sci-fi in it as well and stuff. It just didn't, I don't know what it was. It didn't quite work for me. You know, the action was good and everything else cast solid. Just yeah, it didn't didn't quite work for me. It's 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 one of those. Um, it should have been bigger. It could have been a lot. Could, it could have been a lot bigger and better. Into the Badlands was really praised, I believe. Uh, both uh, yes. pe- people thought it was an engaging story, but also had solid action. So, uh, did you ever, did you ever sit down with that? If that uh, came onto your Netflix, yeah, uh, Into the Badlands. In fact, we've we still haven't seen the final series of that, um, but I really enjoyed it. Daniel Well, I thought it was great. It did really well and really enjoyable. Um, we must sit down and, w- and watch the end of that the end of that and see what happens but yeah really really enjoyed the style of it as well and stuff and i know they really apparently knocked it out of the park for the fight because they knew it was coming to an end so from a um a fight fest and and the action wise they they stepped it up a notch so i'm looking forward to getting back and i might probably revisit it and go back that's how that's how good it was i really enjoyed that yeah and I could be immature and say that we hate him for marrying Chu Chi, but you know what? They they are such an adorable couple, and I, I, I love. They, they look great together. Off air, fuck him, fuck him, fuck him. I hate him, I hate him, I hate him. She was mine. 
No, she wasn't. <laughs> oh, uh, but anyway, as for my short opinion of House of Fury, this is commercial fluff. Uh, it might delight action fans in spots. Um, some of the veteran performers really do delight. I love Anthony Wong and Wu Ma in this. And Michael's cue ball shaved head look is terrific. To be honest, little else excites or involves, and Michael really can't do anything else uh, either, rather, with that pretty cliche dialogue from his chair. Sparks fly in spots, but Stephen Fung rarely gives this film momentum, so for all the attempts at making this a kung fu picture with the performers putting in the work and not uh, t- you know, extensively doubled uh, all along the way, and if they are, it's pretty good. Alongside the family comedy and drama, I really couldn't find much to get into or be delighted by. The first half is okay, but I think it r- runs out of steam, uh, even though the, the efforts are, re- are, are there, really. I, I can appreciate the effort, but um, I, uh, uh, I didn't think it... Um, Increased and uh, you know delighted with action uh, the longer it ran and the closer we got to the finale. To be honest, I think it's a problem that Anthony is out of the picture for quite a bit because I really liked his performance. So, uh, but anyway, I, I, it um, it uh, it wasn't uh, really my cup of tea. So, what did you think of House of Fury? Yeah, I, I have to agree, and I don't want to because I really wanted to love it. And you're right because the first part of the film is so good, but then it loses its way somewhere, and I don't know why it lost me somehow. I know the point where it lost me. We'll get to that, where, where I was uh, where, where I was thinking like, oh, make another decision. Don't go yeah. down that path, but yeah. we'll but, get to and that. that and, that's, and that's the problem. So it could have been so much more, I guess, is probably my thing. A wasted opportunity, perhaps, and stuff, but we, we've touched on, you know, we've taken from this and then built upon it with Tai Chi Zero and Hero, which I really loved and stuff. So... You can see the markings and makings of something. Um, I wanted to uh, uh, really love this, and I, and I didn't. It was okay. Um, and you're right. There's a, there's a stronger start than it does finish. I'm going to essentially say, I think the strong point is, and everybody will hate me for it, is Michael Wong in this film. Let me let me say that. Obviously, Anthony is superb, but, you know, um, it, it is Wong. It, it opens in a playful manner, so you realize it's commercial, but also playful with, uh, you know, the sequence where him him has the chiropractor and a green phone rings, you know, not a red phone, but the yeah. green phone and a high tech lair is entered, and you know, Anthony is now James Kung Fu Bond. Yeah, and, that's uh, cool. And he he all of a sudden he starts, you know, uh, fighting ninjas, and he has wuxia powers. He jumps, and uh, you know, the nin- ninjas obviously have these supernatural powers, so. Is this the realism of the film? No, maybe it's not because he's telling a story. As it turns out, he's sitting there. He's a little bit of a slob. And, uh, and Charlie Choi, uh, who is not his daughter, but um, she calls him on like, how many people did you say you fought? A couple of dozen. <laughs> you said two dozen. And then, yeah, yeah, well, that's not important. So anyway, I was fighting and seeing Anthony lead. Yeah, it's really, really fun. Because, yeah, um, it is. You're right. And he is. You're right. Absolutely right. And that's what I mean. It's so fun to start with because actually it fools you into believe, oh, and he's just telling a story. That isn't actually him doing all that and stuff. And he's all pretending and stuff. And he's quite quirky. I thought I like it. And then you feel sorry for Anthony. Obviously, Anthony Wong. He's Anthony Wong. And, and you know quite... what? I didn't know this prior to watching Beast Cops because he spoke of it in the interview that he... He has trained in martial arts, but it rarely gets utilized on screen because he he's a, he's more of a thespian. He doesn't go into those areas. No, but no. but uh, whenever he does, it looks great on him. And I loved him as Ip Man, for instance. So he, exactly. Yeah. So and he can do it. And, and you're right. You don't 
you don't automatically certainly don't automatically you don't even think about it uh, until but you know and he gets the bust a, a few moves yes there are a couple of stuntmen thrown in there but you know what for the shots and stuff it's tight he, you know he pulls it off and he does well and stuff and you can understand why he he went on to do the the it man because he you know he looks good here and he looks good he looks very good cool and good in some exchanges with a knife or a sword or a broadsword and yes the mix of stunt doubles is uh, yeah you can spot it but I, I think they mixed it quite well they list Yun Woping as advisor but as a matter of fact um, his uh, brother uh, Yun Shun Yi and someone called Ku Huan Chu they're the action director so uh, it's, a, it's a little bit of a misleading thing there oh Yun Woping direct, uh, you know, action director this but as a matter of fact when you read the end credits, uh, he's not listed with his brother and the other gentleman. But uh, they're they're making sure um, that uh, they're getting a workout, uh, setting a tone, and uh, technically mixing grounded action, wire action, CG, and b- because it's a story he's telling, there it's very fanciful, and de- therefore it warrants uh, computer generated effects and these kind of uh, techniques that the ninjas uh, show up uh, performing and all of that. So. Uh, that mixture is, is good. It's it's on its way. And uh, the bickering between Stephen Fong and Jillian Chung, it's okay. But it, it's kind of a quirky thing that they're martial arts able. And it's not ham-fisted the way action gets into this. It's kind of funny that this is the dynamic. Whenever they disagree on something, it's a two, three minute action scene. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, why not? Stephen Fong has to work hard because he's performing it himself. And he puts his action directors to work as well. So... You know, it's uh, it's going to be a multi-mood experience of sorts because there's darkness too. But I I didn't mind that lead up, um, that playfulness, and uh, then leading up to the torture that Michael Wong uh, has his henchmen perform on, on on the man exactly, and all of that. Yeah. So and that's what I mean. It's nice. It's quirky. It's fun. I enjoyed those scenes and stuff and the playful and the characters. And you know where he's going. But you know, there's a there's a certain energy there and stuff. And this is probably why then the latter part of the movie doesn't work because I quite enjoyed that. At the beginning, get up to that and that playfulness. There's a couple of uh, comedic beats there and stuff, and you get to that point when they're, they're fighting and stuff, and then obviously Anthony Wong um, goes to put the, the mail down on the table and stuff, and the table just collapses because they've been fighting on it and stuff. And it, it made me laugh out loud. And I thought, you know what? I'm in for a, a, a real good journey. It's going to be a fun movie. There's lots of things going on, a lot of energy. And and, and, and little visual moments like... Um... They're not a rich family, so I guess the car that Anthony has is the one he can afford, but it does have a Union Jack rooftop. It does, yeah. <laughs> and I guess that just came with the car <laughs> or that he bought, yeah. and that that's they, they, because there's no British theme here. It's just that this is the family car, Union Jack rooftop, so... It's quite quirky. doesn't need to be there because it's 2005, but uh, hey, it's, uh, yeah. let's not paint it over, so... So, so as for Michael, the look is terrific. It simply is terrific, but the role uh, peters out as well. I think they're dealing with a couple of problems here that um, the English dialogue he gets, it's not particularly noteworthy. I, I don't know if you noticed th- that he's speaking slower, which might be a choice because he's confined to a wheelchair. He's paralyzed. He therefore made a choice, or Stephen Fong made a choice, that he can't be all super external and super extrovert he's restricted to a degree but to be honest it sounds a little bit goofy it sounds stilted as heck as he and he he isn't um in the dialogue sense very um yeah, threatening um intimidating despite looking terrific 
so, so I had a problem with that um, choice, to be honest. Uh, uh, great name, looks terrific, but um, it's a role that also peters out towards the end, as we'll get to. But uh, what did you think, uh, seeing Michael um, looking uh, like he could be cast as Blofeld? A Blofeld that we see, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> yeah, exactly, because the image was so strong and stuff, it didn't bother me. You know, when you could say, no, absolutely Shouldn't been white for the world. Shouldn't been in that world. It's not white. Blah blah blah. I'm sure it's been said and stuff. But you know what? I'm going to book that trend and say no. He's absolutely perfect for it. And the reason is because this film is the what? It's kind of a a fantasy, fun, frantic. I'm going to say frenetic. It's kind of a film. It kind of suits Michael doing that role, which is just weird to say and stuff because he shouldn't do. And I and I enjoyed it. It's all about the external. It's great. It's just when you see it, it's like, oh, my God, that is so cool, the way it looks and stuff. Because it's fun and it's supposed to be and it's kind of like, I know you're going to torture some people in a bit and stuff, but at the beginning of it, when he's introduced to stuff, you're like, yeah, this is great. This is so good. And this is what I mean about all that build-up at the start of the film. It looks great. It's, there's plenty going on. There's comedy beats and stuff. And there's a little bit, you know, he's mischievous and stuff. And he comes across as his blowfart and he's in the wheelchair and coming across. He doesn't need to do anymore. He just needs to look at the screen and look cool with his bald head and stuff. And I enjoyed it. I enjoyed that introduction. And uh, I, I agree. Uh, on that it's just that uh, it uh, didn't click uh, the rest of the aspects of the performance didn't click and i i, I don't place that on him entirely it's uh, a pretty thin script as well um, and, and some serious bits though are in- injected like uh, the dad is you know he's dealing with teenagers even though stephen fung is in his 40s in this movie but anyway so- uh, in real life uh jillian is like mid-20s but um she can pull it up, but they're they're uh, they're, they're outgrowing um, outgrowing him, outgrowing their ways, uh, his stories, and Anthony does elevate some of those serious moments a little bit. He he's good at that, even if he's given very very little. And uh, you know, well paced enough, but not a terrific drive to matters or anything. But it introduces elements well enough for a while, as we said, the action, the actual life, the casual life, the past life that we're hinting at uh, with Anthony's character. And the leading into the dangerous aura, that's fine. And there's little light bits like like Daniel Wu brings Jillian a pet pink. Uh, <laughs> very well-behaved pink, to be honest. Uh, so that's good. It was well-behaved pink, as you do. And uh, they also have a little bit of fun with Daniel Wu's Cantonese and not Michael's Cantonese for, for once yes. here. Because he uh, manages to comment on uh, the meals that they're having and he says intercourse instead of intercourse. You know, uh, yeah, yeah. so it was good that I was able to be translated that's cool and uh, the the fight underneath the table the leg fight underneath the table is great because they don't stop at a kick two kicks three kicks no it's full on and Anthony is sitting there yeah these are my kids alright and uh, it's gonna end up whatever way it's gonna end up uh, maybe messy but just keep eating it's fine it's fine <laughs> That's all fun, and he's passing the baton to his son in some ways. That that sort of commercial, functional string, and uh, but where it started to lose me, despite uh, this instinct being okay, is when the henchmen come knocking on his door, as uh, Anthony's boiling his tea. That's not the bad part, but it started to lose me. It's gonna sound dumb, but I'm gonna try and get through this anyway. Yeah, that the henchmen, including uh, Josie Ho in a fighting role. They all look impeccable and stylish, and I didn't think for a moment that added to any dangerous aura. Uh, some of them even fight with their glo- sunglasses on. In a dark room! <laughs> so it, it wasn't this. I, I Anthony is impeccable too, because he 
it's his best fight scene in the movie. He really pulls it off uh, at his age and a lot of detail exchanges. But it's not the moment that that, that wasn't the moment maybe where I, where it lost me. But it was I wasn't engaged. But the moment it really lost me is the Bruce Lee bits when uh, the sign apparently one letter falls off or one Chinese sign falls off and it says Fist of Fury and Anthony Wong does his best Bruce Lee. No, this is not the movie for this. I mean, it's commercial. I know, but this is not the movie for this. And when he used the uh, arm of the skeleton from his uh, practice as nunchucks, yeah. it's a comedic bit that's so downplayed that it it just took me right out of the movie. It seemed like a bit that should be in a Stephen Chow movie and should be a yes. lot more nonsensical and silly. But he just picks it up and goes, oh. And I thought, like you, you Stephen Fong as a director, make a decision here. Yeah. No comedy or full nonsense. Don't yeah. go the middle road for this movie. That didn't work, and I think it was a downward slope for me from that point on. Despite his focus wasn't comedy like that for the rest forty minutes or anything, but that was a moment that just broke everything for a little bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a, and this is why I said there's a, and you're right and absolutely right and you. It's, explained it really well because all of a sudden he throws in this comedic beat and you think really and throws in the Bruce Lee impression you go really and you know he's using the the skeleton as, as nunchucks and stuff and it, it's a great scene like I say kudos from a, an action point of view it looks great and stuff but it it doesn't quite gel together and stuff if you look at the later film like Tai Chi Zoo and Tai Chi Zoo and Stephen Fung kind of nails it and stuff with splicing those sonic genres together to mm. make it but you lose it in this one because you're you're going to get a kind of a film and then all of a sudden it's a different kind of and it doesn't quite work. Why Why have we got this in these comedic beats like that? I mean, it's that? been silly, but that was a moment that uh, wasn't... He's had a handle on silly, uh, speaking of the uh, the bickering uh, siblings. But, but, but this was sort of like, no. No, this didn't yeah. work. Yeah, Not yeah, yeah. It's very much Stephen Chow territory. You've kind of jumped into, into that all of a sudden and stuff and you're like... Really, is it, is it that kind of movie then and stuff? But it doesn't, like you say, it doesn't really work and you kind of lose it. I mean, obviously, you've got the, the, the players there, Philip and Tiger, Tiger Chen and stuff that are there, and Josie Ho, who, by the way, looks great and stuff, uh, and looks like she'd um, batter everybody, um, even in, in that role and stuff, uh, looks great. But like you say, from there, it started to water water down the film from, from what it was and stuff, and perhaps it just, the direction didn't go where it needed to be or... It didn't have its own sense of identity because there was too many things in the mix. Technically, it started to falter for me as well, and I'll try and explain that. Because, mm. yeah, yes, it continues to be, be on the move and get the plot going because they discover the, uh, the, hidden, uh, the hidden vault that actually existed, as a matter of fact, uh, yeah. that we see at the beginning <laughs> hey. of the movie. Uh, so it's made with the correct stance of having fun mixing elements, playing to the martial arts crowd. It uh, de- definitely does that, and it doesn't do a bad job at that. And it's not demanding, and uh, it's in and out cinema, and uh, that's fine. So he plays the commercial game well. But it still, for me, doesn't do anything more than just kind of sit there. It's not ter- terribly thrilling or truly impressing. And then as it starts to fall apart for me and I lose interest, then it's, the, the seams uh, are showing. I mean, even minor wire work, uh, for, for minor movements, uh, even on the ground, you know, as they flip, you know, for instance... It looks too floaty for me. The wire removal that's been done for somehow made it look a bit too floaty. And in the beginning of the 90s, when wire was all the rage, this never happened as such. Uh, They had a handle on making it 
I don't know, more impactful, more physical looking. And despite the competence on, on screen here, they're all doing a good job uh, in terms of uh, adhering to the action design that uh, uh, that Yun Shun Ye and his colleague are uh, designing. Again, there was no real cool to that. There was no real cool to the character design of this universe with the henchmen being so impeccable and uh, style icons and uh, the kudos that you put forth for everyone to everyone for involving themselves in the action and Jillian even performing a lot of the action it's kudos I'm happy to throw out but technically it started to falter I don't know if you noticed this in in more modern movies the stop and start slow motion thing where it starts to go slow the fighting and then it goes really fast again mm. and that mix and match that's really a standard in fightings nowadays I've never liked and they do that, for instance, in some of Jillian's end fights where she 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 does the her hand techniques to sort of, and they do it to try and emphasize power that she's yeah, graceful. Yeah. That never worked for me in barely any movie, to be honest. Uh, that's a personal thing, to be honest. I'm I'm more stuck in the past, and I like the techniques of how how it was made. And they, this is not the era for that, but it still doesn't impress. Uh, necessarily uh, some techniques like that and uh, and sometimes again the wire removal in various other instances looks uh, m- m- makes performance look a bit floaty and fakey and um, i don't like that the drama towards the end it's you know the prospect of losing daddy and uh, feeling sorry for dismissing him that they didn't pay too much attention to him that's fine because anthony's back a little bit here i think he anchors mm-hmm. the drama a little bit better Wuma gets some dramatic beats that I really like. And then it gets silly because Wuma is uh, not moving like a pensioner. He's <laughs> <laughs> not. He's flying almost. <clears throat> Again, you've got that Stephen Chow, like, you know, um, influence there where um, all of a sudden he's he's almost shooting up like Superman. Do you think that's a quirky choice or do you think it's... Uh... It's just the style. It's it's a, it's. a I think it was Stephen's kind of... I have to say he's styling stuff and he kind of, like I say... It's a work in progress for him. He was trying all these elements and stuff and kind of throwing them in and stuff. If he'd pulled back on some of it and gone with the genre, <clears throat> I think it would have been better. He just threw so many, so many things. There's, there's little beats in there that are good. There's not the vision of Anthony Wan with his blood seeping out of his head and he's dead and stuff. He's like dramatic beat and stuff. And then you got these when, when Mars like, you know, doing this Superman impression. There's too much going on. It's too frenzied of a... A thing the plot is like way too thin anyway and stuff. There's just not enough to hold it together. And you're right, Anthony Wong would have held it together if it was any more and stuff, and I think it would have been better. You know what this sounds like to me? This is you you watch the director that's uh, grown in experience and confidence. Yeah. This is his second movie and uh, Exactly. You you're anxious to put your ideas forth and uh, you're the bo- you're the boss too and you've uh, and Phoenix presumably made decent amount of money, so they they place their trust in Stephen. But um, so, so sometimes um, new directors aren't always uh, right, and uh, you know he's probably smart enough to admit to himself, looking back on his uh, work, that yeah, um, not going to venture down that road again. So I'm going to learn from it and move forward. So I'm, 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 he's not stupid, obviously, but no, exactly, and that's what that's what that's what people do and that's what you that's what you do do i said it um and that's what you know he has he has done um so and he's took and, and learned from it i guess so you know all the ideas are there and stuff and i think you kind of hold them out for the the tai chi films a little bit 
a little bit better. Um, but in this one, it's like so he's thrown everything at it and stuff, um, and he doesn't quite um, pull that off from that point of view. I just had two more notes, and I'm going to let you have the floor if you want to talk uh, what you thought of the action towards the, towards the end of the film, the big finale. I wish the finale had more regular speed exchanges because I don't think the slow motion at all emphasizes power but when they do have exchanges at 23 frames per second or maybe 25 you know the they the, these undercranking and overcranking it normally isn't uh, off with uh, by that many frames uh, to uh, to achieve power that looks really good but uh, those instances when Steven asks his action directors to emphasize it with slow motion I don't think he's got a handle on on that at all in this movie some direct not all directors do John had a really good handle on it because I think he watched Chang Chia for all those many years um, as uh, him and his action team executed slow motion. But I don't think uh, it, they were more visceral, the fighting bits, when they were at regular speed. Uh, so uh, so I, I, I snapped back into the action a little bit more towards the end. Yeah, I like that. I like that exchange. Tons of exchanges, dozens of exchanges. And I don't. And now I'm out of it because they uh, took the time to slow it down. So. And my final note, then, then you can talk all the action you, you like. Uh, or rather, I, I should say, uh, I was genuinely surprised by the character of Nelson, the kid. How about that? <laughs> Jake, Jacob Strickland, as uh, Michael's kid, actually does something in this movie. So what did you think when he all of a sudden had a major role? I know, yeah. It was like, where did he come from? It was like, wow, well, God, that kid can... Uh, I think it was... Uh, as far as I know, he was lucky enough to... Uh, I think Jackie Chan saw him on some program somewhere and stuff. And then he got a role in this uh, this film. I think it was his only credit, as far as I know, and stuff. But it was uh, quite cool and stuff. Again, something else, another idea thrown in and stuff. It's just like, what, really? Wow, okay, you know, great. Um, and looked like he could uh, bust a move or two. Shame he uh, never got any more work credits. Or obviously didn't think it was very... Uh, some sick stuff. Staff work. Yeah, 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 that, that was, uh, yeah, that was uh, and to put that on screen and stuff, it looks, looks great, looks great. Would... Uh, Give uh, old Cynthia Rothrock a run for her money with the uh, long pole. Because he, I think he planted him really well. You thought, like, oh, he's his kid. Uh, he looks like yeah. he has his, like, game gear or whatever in most scenes. And then Rocco says, you, you have to go now, Nelson. Okay, Daddy. But, but <laughs> it, it should have been obvious to me that he's clearly there for a reason. But uh, yeah. <laughs> Stephen really, the whoa! <laughs> he and um, it's him i mean they didn't have a kid uh, double that they um spray painted there with blonde hair or anything so uh, yeah it looked uh it was a nice surprise w- w- you know when you got to the big ending where you had your problems with the movie too in a in a general sense with the narrative like, w- were you able to sort of snap back into appreciating yeah, the action I, I, or? I think so i i quite i i so i enjoyed the final um scene and stuff especially um when they're jillian and Stephen are fighting multiple fighters because the way he does it top down and shows it and stuff i thought was really clever and it was a nice touch from the usual um with the camera down above um Stephen's head and stuff and there and jillian's head that was quite cool um i like that um and i like the two face off with tiger and philip facing off um Against them, Jillian comes off all right. Actually, she didn't do too bad. You can see she really worked hard, very much, and so. um, to, to look good on screen. I think she really put some time in, and and, and she does look good. Steam looks better. It looks just kind of more natural anyway. Seeing seeing as he has taken on action directing duties, I, I I'm, I'm yeah. wondering if he expanded his personal martial arts experience as he started making movies, or if he actually has a um, a background in this. Because on Into the Badlands, he apparently did take action directing. 
uh, duties. You know, we're working with a stunt coordinator, I'm sure, but I believe he had that credit too, uh, other than being uh, the producer or maybe showrunner. Uh, so, so I'm wondering. It would be uh, interesting to know if uh, Stephen uh, found martial arts as he started to be a filmmaker or if that's his background. But he comes across really well, and, and I, I enjoyed that. Yeah, it did ping me back. So it's like, oh, got a big action scene. And that's what I mean about the, the film. It's you know, it's a missed opportunity. Again, you've got that, that problem, that middle. That middle just didn't work and stuff. Too many things thrown it, and you come back to you know the basics and stuff, and it, it, it worked. Yeah, there's a bit of wires there and stuff, but it's good. There's some there's some good good beats in it, and they they come across really well. It's a, it's a nice it's a nice scene, um, enjoyable. Um, so I, I I don't have anything else to say really. Uh, it, it 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 is a wrong for me because I don't think beyond the visual that um, he brings anything. He, he's uh, he's part of the problem, Phil. <laughs> Michael. <laughs> <laughs> um, which is which is crazy because I'm gonna absolutely disagree and say he's a uh, he's wrong for me. And not wrong, uh, which is which is strange because it shouldn't be because of the film and stuff. But you know what? I just loved him being something completely different than he had been before committing to the role, ball head and stuff. And anybody could have done it, but he, he, he pulled it off. And everybody will disagree with me and go, no, he's completely wrong. Said, okay, well, who else are you going to shave the head and, and put in that role and stuff, given the lines that he was given? So from what he was given to do, kudos to him. And I did have the, the um, just a tidbit of trivia and stuff. Um, the joy sales are obviously DVD, and there's um, they've got loads of interviews on, which are obviously the one candidates. Apart from Michael Wong's, funnily enough, it does is in English, um, and he does make a couple of references. One to um, Stephen Fung, and he said he was impressed by the way he set up and got his pre-production right. So he obviously seen the process and stuff, and obviously Michael understands it, and was impressed by Stephen, and they must have done a lot of takes and stuff to to get that right um, for things because he knew what he wanted to do and he was really impressed with it. And he was also impressed with, obviously, um, Yen Wu Ping, who, who quoted him as being one of the one of the last Hong Kong cinema masters of, of cinema and also stating that when he works with him, he's very casual, Yen Wu Ping, but obviously brings a passion and such a drive to what he does and stuff, which was nice to hear from, obviously, Michael, from a, an interview point of view. So um, that was that was nice as well. Yeah, yeah, I wonder uh, to what extent uh, Yumo Ping uh, worked on this, if advisor meant pre-production, maybe not on the production, and then he handed it off. Uh, but, um, you know, he was clearly there to earn that, um, to earn that uh, opening credits uh, uh, name check and note. So, uh, yeah. Uh, Okie dokie, and as for availability of House of Fury, the Hong Kong DVD is still available, as is a Region A and B Blu-ray from Tai Seng. But we watched, uh, or I watched rather, the UK Cine Asia DVD edition that has two discs and uh, properly replicates those interview pieces, only adding subtitles. Uh, and it's uh, very reasonably priced if you uh, settle for a DVD. And uh, again, a second disc of subtitled extras are there for you. So that's it. We are we have done nine movies, and as we've done with the Alan Tam series that we sort of stumbled into because I'm immature, and as we did with the George Lamb series because now we do a series on actors that uh, I, I dislike by default, but really I should give them a chance and uh, examine their work properly. So we did that, and Phil was on board with uh, both the stumbling into the series and the actual conceptualized series featuring uh, George Lamb, and he was with Michael Wong as well, and as he hinted at, and as I did probably in the beginning of the series, uh, 
there's no chance <laughs> that he's gonna be wrong but we're gonna do it properly <laughs> anyway like like nine zero <laughs> you know landslide <laughs> it wasn't and as you heard it, no, could, it, it, it couldn't have been so uh, no. uh so that's the excitement kind of out of the way because the previous series have come down to the wire Let's just uh, do very brief blurbs on the movies we watched and then place them in the uh, wrong or wrong camp and do a little quick uh, quick tally in terms of where we land and then we'll enter that into the law books because that's how it works. <laughs> and I've said it and therefore it works like that. So let's start off uh, at the beginning. Legacy of Rage was the first movie we covered and I placed it in the wrong category. It's likable as an action piece. As a movie, with little to no focus on martial arts, considering Brandon Lee stars in it, but as our villain, Michael is, at that time, 1986, was far too inexperienced and baby-faced to gain my acceptance as a villain. So that was my take on Legacy of Rage. It was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and how about you for Legacy of Rage? Um, and, uh, and for me, he was wrong, because I loved his rage. I loved the rage. I loved... I, well, I just love Legacy of Rage. It was perfect. I, I just wanted to smash Michael Wong up so bad that I believed in the character and I believed in him. And for me, it was a Wong for all the Wong reasons. Did I just do that joke? I think I did. Um, you, you know what? I, I just want to... All the Wong keep... clues for the, yeah, for the, all the, Wong the clues. right solution. I just want to keep talking so this series never ends. I can't believe it's over. The, the, the gifts are funnier from Legacy of Rage. What uh, Wong gifts did a, um, did a uh, revisionist take on what was actually said in the movie. Uh, later in the film, in Legacy of Rage, he, uh, he stumbles into a hotel with two girls by his side, Michael Wong, and he's got his hair slicked back at that point, so he, you know, he, he looks uh, like he's hammered. And he st- stumbles towards the desk, and he picks up like the guest book or ledger, and uh, Wong gifts added <laughs> this subtitle that gave me every time. When he picks up the book, holy shit, a book! <laughs> <laughs> like, holy shit, it's a book! <laughs> My God, what a what this a... is an interesting camp now. So, so I'm I'm wrong, you're wrong, right? So the first two films we're going to do because we're going to do Royal Warriors next, aren't we? Yeah, we might, we might as well mention it. We're we're not going to do probably uh, do do it all in order, but uh, uh, Royal Warriors, which was the episode uh, that followed Legacy of Rage, yeah. yeah. Uh, it's a terrific Michelle Yeoh action classic, uh, very powerful and violent, and I find great amusement in Michael Wrong, Michael Wrong, Michael Wrong. <laughs> <laughs> it's difficult sometimes. Yes. Go on, I, go I find great amusement in Michael's role as the insistent, i.e., stalkerish, childish <laughs> character who exactly. wants Michelle bad. It's like he's a dog and she's in heat. Uh, he uh, he gets an audience to react and they spell his name wrong on a plaque of some kind. But he lived up to the what the role was supposed to be. And I think he's wrong because of that. He nailed that role. Everyone hates him in that movie. I don't. I, I It's a terrific movie. And uh, Michael uh, is, uh, is uh, he, he slaps. You know, he's, he's fire in that role. <laughs> <laughs> and this is what makes it interesting. Because if you do the... If you do the series in order, and if look, if you comment on the final episode now and you're listening to this, then go back and revisit because this is interesting. Because Royal Warriors, um, from Michael's point of view, he's too stalker esque, and I went, he's all wrong. So at that point, we were like, Uh-oh. we were completely opposite ends of the scale two episodes in. It was just from a film point of view, it was like, okay, 
We're not even not hitting the same beats and stuff because he was all wrong. He was all stalkerish. So it was kind of interesting. So you didn't know which way it was going to go because we all thought this was a, a foregone conclusion. And it's interesting before we get to this final episode we're on now um, that it could have gone either way, certainly for me personally and stuff. But yeah, Royal Warriors, a brilliant movie. And I love that film. But uh, Michael, sorry, he was all wrong. He spelled his name wrong. <laughs> <laughs> that's so yeah. funny um so let, let's go a little bit out of order uh referencing this episode knockoff he's in it that's cool and choi huck's camera 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 is freaking nuts Wong. <laughs> that's it i don't need anything else he drives a boat heroically as i said that's fine yeah yeah for me again knockoff you heard me he, he was Wong um, in a right way. Um, I, I, I loved him in it. Uh, by, by this point and stuff, I'd warmed to him so much um, that um, he couldn't put a foot Wong. <laughs> Going a little bit out of order again, Beast Cops, uh, making best picture history and paired up very well as uh, playing a by the numbers cop versus the street savvy Anthony Wong. And uh, he's not corrupt, but he's street savvy. And um, that's a movie with nuance. It deserved its uh, accolades, winning Best Picture and a ton of other awards. And Michael contributes to the whole very well. Wasn't nominated, and uh, why not? He could have been, should have been, maybe not won. But um, it uh, wouldn't have been um, out of line, I think, to nominate him. Because he, uh, in, he made sure to be part of the theme and the world that uh, was painted before us by Gordon Chan and Dante Lam. So, classic late 90s Hong Kong cinema Beast Cops. Could it be Michael Wong's best performance? I don't know. Maybe it's because Anthony Wong's in it and stuff and he's so good. So underrated. It was an absolute Wong for me. Um, it's brilliant film anyway. Uh, Michael just adds to that. I don't think there's any question with this one. I was never on the fence with it. Um, it's a great performance by uh, Michael and and people should uh, recognise that and salute him and and give him a day in his honour. Uh, <laughs> you're finding new ways to uh, to, uh, to cap your little opinions here. <laughs> <laughs> you're welcome. Uh, going back to this episode, Enter the Eagles. Uh, it's a B-actioner with a cliched script and ropey dialogue, but Michael uh, gets uh, several visual and action moments that he shines in, including um, during the finale. But um, it's Shannon Lee's show, but Michael uh, really shines in several cool moments that you uh you know that for me just sticks with me because they're, they're, they are really cool and he uh he's a confident performer by this uh, point so enter the eagles goes into the wong column yeah absolutely you heard it it was um it was a, a reassured performance and stuff and he just looked cool by this stage i, I don't think I've, I've said it before he couldn't put a foot wong but um he was he was he was good enough to uh, tip him over the edge for a wong for me and going back to Miles support, uh, his directorial debut. He plays a cop who's on the hunt for VCD bootleggers, but there's some more serious plotting than that. It's occasionally effective and well-paced, but never gets off the ground, really. It's um, not a terrifically exciting film. Uh, only diehard fans, I think, would appreciate the minor positives uh, here in Michael's uh, directorial debut. So that was a uh, wrong. And uh, he's, uh, unlike Stephen Fong, he hasn't uh, pursued directing uh, since or uh, gotten anything off the ground. But um, it, uh, it wasn't uh, wasn't particularly good. And for me, um, the best moment in this was, uh, I think I actually said it at the end of the episode, was uh, he flies a helicopter. And the movie was over by that point. <laughs> <laughs> no, the movie was over. Yeah, he flying a helicopter. It didn't, wasn't enough to save him, though. Yep, he was wrong for me in this one. 
And again, going back to uh, what we just talked about, uh, House of Fury, um, commercial fluff that works in the first half, uh, including uh, in the action department, comedy department. The veterans are very good. Michael's cue ball look is terrific, but um, then uh, it started to peter out for me. For me, and Michael couldn't do much from from his chair, unfortunately. So, and um, well, you heard it. I, I loved it. He just just look at the screen and look good. By that time, he converted me with his hypnotic um, bald head and features, and he was a uh, Wong for me. He should have, <laughs> you know, mesmerized <laughs> me more, but uh, he exactly. didn't. So. Um, so two more here. A final option. Uh, Michael found his role as S- his classic role, his quotable role as SDU instructor Stone Wong, who uh, doesn't want to be called Guai Lo. And I think he does that with fair charm and confidence uh, in this cop soap opera that uh, started a minor boom of similar films. Not exceptional, but a solid actioner from Gordon Chan. And uh, I, I, I liked it for that reason, that uh, this was his role. And he... Um, he took it and uh, cemented a little, you know, reputation that uh, the guy who plays SDU instructors, Stone Wong, doesn't need to be called, doesn't want to be called a Wilo. So let's do that to him in real life instead. <laughs> For me, again, one of the ones I, I wasn't going quite sure about, but he, he did enough. Michael Wong for me did enough, and uh, for that one, yep, it was an absolute Wong. And finally, my favorite of the bunch, the case of the cold fish. <laughs> It's as if Stone Wong was put into a quirky comedy murder mystery. And uh, it's a fine showcase for sync sound banter between Michael Chow and Michael Wong as this uh, island set murder mystery unfolds. And uh, Michael is very game with the fact that, uh, and on board with the fact that uh, we're going to make fun of you a lot. Let's see how you respond to that if uh, you're a fragile little person or if you're someone who's game. And he certainly was game, and I think it's a, it's a wonderfully funny and droll uh, comedy that, that where a lot of the comedy comes through uh, the dialogue banter rather than comedic uh, situations, even though there are a fair amount um, of that. The guy that uh, Michael chases in the movie that... Uh, <laughs> that says to him like fuck your grandmother's chicken yeah. <laughs> like did you hear that <laughs> he just said <laughs> he starts running after him uh, so Case of the Cold Face it's my favourite Michael Wong performance because I think uh, that uh, shows he's um, he's a good lad uh, he's got a sense of humour and um, it's a hidden gem yeah that for me yeah absolutely it was one of those that surprised me and thank you Ken for letting me um see the film because i had not or introduced me to the film because i had not seen it and stuff and it was it was the biggest surprise of the series for me and i really enjoyed it really enjoyed michael's performance in it as well uh no two ways about it i think um he, he took it well took it on the chin and it was a great nice little yeah like I say a gem of a film and he was absolutely wrong in this film so yes loved it Phil got to sort of uh, mentally travel back to um, to to, yes. to, the, to that setting in the film. I always forget forget if it's Lantau Island or Taiyo Island, but um, you've you've been there, as a matter of fact. And I've been there, and I've seen it. So yeah, he, he does it there, and he did it in Knockoff as well, and stuff. So um, you know, kudos to Michael. He knows a, a good place when you see it. And yeah, that brought back a, a few memories. And what a beautiful uh, place it is. Um, so uh, it was nice to see a film um, set there as well. And it was, um, yeah, it was great. 
So um, if you follow this count, it's a foregone conclusion where we ended up, but may- maybe not the same exact same tally. So in terms of um, the amount in the wrong column, I have three, and therefore in the one column, I have six. So it wasn't a nine-zero uh, landslide, but uh, yeah. So six-three, he wins. Law books. <laughs> yeah, well, he does. Uh, maybe it was a foregone conclusion. I don't think so, but okay, I got seven and um, two which were wrong. Um, and to be fair, it was it was neck and neck on the first couple of episodes, one and zero. So, you know, it could have been anyway. An interesting fact anyway, because if you do, if you do listen to them chronologically and you don't have to, it doesn't matter, just, just download them anyway and go back and listen to them. If you get to this final episode and stuff, if it had gone the other way, it could have gone, it could have gone the other way. It could have, if I didn't like Knock Off, if I didn't like him in House of Fury and, yeah, eagles we could have had a, a different situation but you know it worked out for the best in the end because um i've uh, seen michael in a different light now and for all the criticism he gets and stuff you know there are some truly really good good films and some great films um that he contributes and and drives um and yes he'll always kind of be given that moniker and that wooden kind of but you know what for what he does, I, I, I think great. I've got a, I've got a, a deeper appreciation of Michael Wong through the series, and and that's what it's about. So you know, and hopefully you will do too. We've uh, earned a spot on the airways of love. I think uh, yeah. since we've gone through uh, nine movies, but we're going to go through three more. We're going to do <gasps> unofficial Wong or wrong, where we're not even going to assign a Wong or wrong movie reviews because there are there are several more watchable uh, movies so we could probably pick 15 or 18 who knows but we're, we're going to keep it to three more films in the bonus episode section lucky. those lucky, lucky. episodes are not going to be available on your podcatcher uh, feed so it's not going to turn up on apple podcasts or spotify over likes it's uh, they're only going to be available on podcast on fire.com uh, at the time of recording i'm not sure if they're gonna go up at the same time as the finale because i'm waiting on a couple of the movies still to arrive in the post but regardless uh, across two more bonus episodes because i we're doing free movies i don't want to do a full two hour episode as a bonus episode so we're gonna, we're gonna do uh, split them up into two episodes and the movies we're gonna feature are in the line of duty four because uh, michael wong uh, returns to the in the line of duty fray because royal warriors got to be known as in the line of duty but it's not uh, for obvious reasons it's not the same character as in uh, royal <laughs> warriors uh we're also gonna look at the second stone wong movie the movie where he was nominated for his acting performance it's called first mm. option and finally he is a genie that comes out of a lamp indeed in whatever you want where he co-stars with Anita Yun sounds like the most daft thing you could ever pick it's a Wong Jing movie and it's a genie ah, whatever no it's hysterical it really is hysterical <laughs> I, 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 I love I it you what. I don't know I don't know why everybody deserves it so much but you know so lucky you're lucky your audience you get more you get more of us and you get more of michael wong i mean that's just whatever you want we got it so we're gonna talk up the movie whatever you want <laughs> it's called cool. whatever, whatever you want, want. literally so yeah that's that now that's a mix up of genres it will be uh fun to uh to look at outside of the michael wong or wrong series which um we've kind of done I'm, I'm i'm sad it's over but look 
at least we've got um, the bonus to look forward to. So, um, yeah, happy about that. Follow us over to uh, the bonus episodes. Um, check if it's on podcastonfire.com right now. At the time of recording, I can't guarantee it. We're living in a pandemic that also means uh, you have to be patient with uh, what's coming in in the post. Uh, things take a little bit longer nowadays. So, uh, so that's is uh, us for this uh, series. Thank you, Phil, for bringing the enthusiasm and uh, you're on board with uh, the concept and intent with the series and um, it's a really pleasure to talk with you honestly this was never meant to be uh, like oh he's gonna love michael wong as well i knew i would <laughs> no i didn't know and that would have been okay uh, because you bring an honest perspective on uh, on movies and it's uh, always nice uh, when uh, we are we are a little bit apart not maybe not miles apart but we're a little bit apart on movies uh, here and there and uh, therefore it's uh, been a pleasure as always yeah, thank you. And it has. And I always enter these series with a, with an open mind and look at the, the actor in question and look at their work and stuff. And, you know, I've I've, I've got fond memories. Oh, fond memories of Michael. I miss you. Um, and I enjoy the series. Um, I've been enjoying the series up to this point. So, um, you know, he's hoping for future um, episodes on something. But I'll enjoy the bonus ones as well. So it's not quite over yet, folks. And look out for the bonus episodes going to be fun three more movies in the line of duty for first option whatever you want so check it out and in the meantime for all your podcast on fire network needs go to podcastonfire.com that includes the back catalog of the wrong or wrong series if you navigate our podcasts on the website there's a category that's called wrong or wrong that you can click on the right hand side but uh, otherwise, uh, try and search for uh, for the episodes on the, on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, and uh, type in Royal Warriors and Final Option, Beast Cops, and Knock Off, and uh, listen to it. And uh, we're very thankful if you do. And and I have to say, it's been very gratifying to see the enthusiasm directed to this series, but not in this ironic way or anything. You know, because there, there, there is some love out there for Michael Wong for all his yeah. faults and uh, faults and strengths. You know. Yeah, on a serious note, I'd like to say that. You know, I think I walked into this a little bit the same. Oh, it's wooden Michael Wong again here. You know, it's like that. There, there is a, yeah, there is a, you know, there is a stigma. Not everybody. I know there's some real love out there. And there is, and I've been on a journey where I, I see that now. And I'm, um, you know, Michael can't put a foot wrong now. I'm, I'm, I've changed. I'm a changed man, um, which is great. And um, kudos to him because I've seen some really delightful films as part of the series. So yeah, I've really enjoyed it. So again, thank you for tuning in. Indeed. And uh, I think uh, we're going to keep it short here. So just follow the, uh, go to the website, uh, go to Apple Podcasts and uh Spotify, Stitcher, rate, subscribe, review. If you like the Michael Wong series, let us know on social media. All the links are available on the website and in the show post. But Phil, you have a website. It might not be populated with, uh, I don't know, any Michael Wong reviews, but uh, you have a website nonetheless. So where is it then? Or what can people find when they go to it? You can find me www.easternfilmfans.co.uk, also on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, and a little YouTube channel. Just pop it in, you'll find us, um, latest uh, reviews, news, and um, yeah, come along, say hi, um, if you catch me on social media, and uh, we can shoot the breeze on everything, Michael Wong, right or wrong, or anything else that your heart desires. Thank you, everybody, for listening to this uh, epic 
finale. So um, we'll be back to do uh, to do something. Let's find someone else to hate and maybe love in the end, <laughs> <laughs> like like Leon live or something. I don't know. Yeah, uh, but uh, nevertheless, I mean, can be with me was uh, Phil G for this. Uh, this an, an additional journey of sorts, a cinematic journey. So thank you, Phil, and uh, take us out. Say goodbye to the kids. Au revoir. Let's go uh, on the airways of love together. Yes. <laughs>